Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I have a hefty two-plus-hour episode for you, covering the latest comic news and discussing the latest comics, including Metal Number no. 5 by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, Doom Patrol, Justice League of America No. 1, the first part of the Milk Wars storyline from Young Animal, Motherlands No. 1, the first issues of Black Dahlia's Abbott and Silencer, Volumes 1, 2, and 5 of Duet of Beautiful Goddesses, and, yeah, much, much more. Comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Please send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Welcome, my friends, to the show that almost never starts because I am running late. Hey! Do you need me to call back in a few? That's totally No, cool. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready now. If you'd called even like a minute earlier, that would not have been the case. But we're good. We're golden. Let's just get going. Wow. Okay. Well, it's it's been that kind of day, I guess. So, Graham McMillan, let's, let's, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you <laughs> and me. Let's talk about all the good times and the bad times that we'll see. Uh, actually, I was going to say talk about comics, but then I realized... Salt and pepper, really underrated. You know what I mean? Like you just don't. Here's a question: Are they underrated? Because I don't know one person who doesn't love them. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I think I think I have to hang up on you now. Uh, so you're you're saying they're overrated, is what you're saying? No, I'm saying I think they're appropriately rated. You're saying think, they're, they're rated. I, people, I see. I think people like recognize how good salt and pepper. Are. Like it's like saying, aren't the Beatles underrated? Oh come on, Graham. You know. <sighs> okay, I'm trying to think of something else that, like Queen. Then. Sure. Alright. No. Yeah, no. Everyone's okay. Everyone's like, yeah. David right. Bowie. Everyone just agrees. Yeah, they're great. You're you know? right. You're right. Salt and pepper. They're better than Salt comics. That's, yeah. that's how you hemmed me ER. in. That's where there's, I'm gonna go. There's not an ER. <laughs> I, I, please don't call them salt and pepper. That's not correct. Graham, I'm also, sorry. I'm sorry you can't handle my, my accent from the streets. That's totally please. okay. Please uh, remember Spinderella. Yeah, I remember Spinderella. I, I, I quite clearly. <laughs> but you didn't. You didn't list her with with their their with our uh, titular twosome. See, because they're titular. That's the point. But Spinderella was as much a part oh, of their genius as what I'm saying. So you're saying Spinderella was underrated? It's underrated. Is what you're saying? Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what I'm oh saying. Oh my god. Welcome people to the Wait What Contrarian Podcast where <laughs> Yes. Welcome everyone. Or is it welcome? Really? Do we have to welcome people? <laughs> exactly. See, technically they're not entering anything, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Graham. Yeah. Okay, I see how this is gonna go. So um so do you want do you want to start talking about the funny book stuff or how are you? Do you want to talk about your day? Tell us about your day. No, I, I, I my, my day was fine. My day was just busy. We were recording, we should say, uh, earlier than we, when we normally record. We're recording on the day that DC announced uh, Ben is doing Superman in action and the, the DC Nation Zero issue as well. We're, we're, the, we're the big comic book news of the day. Um, and Black Panther's coming up, so there's a lot of like moving parts. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. You, there's uh, the Marvel Comicsology Unlimited thing, or the Comics I should say the Comicsology uh, the, the Unlimited, Unlimited uh, discount, which 
kind of feels like it's been a long time coming in the strangest way. Mm-hmm. Do you not think so? Like, for the idea of that you're paying a subscription to Comixology, it only makes sense to me that they would offer you a discount for purchase. Well, I think, I, I guess that's true. I, as someone who's had Comixology Unlimited and it still pays for the service, I think it's, it's technically a pretty good service. It, it pales it, in comparison to Marvel Unlimited, as you well, know. I, of course, because yeah. Marvel Unlimited is basically, here's our entire back catalog. Exactly. It's batshit insane. Unlimited, yeah. That comicsology is, is, you know, here's some stuff that we'll cycle all, on and off at an irregular basis. Yeah, exactly. But it does seem but, like... Which is the, actually why I don't like Comixology Unlimited. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I tried it for a couple months and I was like, this isn't the greatest selection. And you keep on switching stuff on and off. Okay then. Well, and, but and, they do pull yeah. new stuff in and they do take new stuff out and some of the stuff that they've had. I mean, thank God. I mean, for me, I, I've mentioned on here that I wouldn't have started reading, uh, Battle Angel Alita. Actually, that's not true. I bought the Omnibuy and then they put them up on <laughs> Comicsology Unlimited. But there's kind of a really good sampler every month. I have to admit, I check out, see what's coming to, uh, Comicsology Unlimited and I, I, oh. There's usually at least always something that I'm like, oh, I wish I could make the time to read that. Um, so, so we should explain for people who don't know what we're talking about because this is a surprisingly underannounced uh, piece of news, I think. Yeah. Um, they Comicsology today announced that they are going to be offering 10% discounts for a number of publishers and 15% discounts for Marvel. That's yes. correct, right? Yeah, that is correct. In fact, uh, hold the, on. The, I... other, the other publishers are Image Comics, IDW, Boom, Dynamite, Action Lab Entertainments, Humanoids, Seven Seas, and Xenoscope. Yeah. And Marvel gets 15% off. 15%. So, so if you buy your comics through Comixology, paying six ninety nine a month, uh, which I believe is the proper price, monthly price for, will get you a discount of 15% on any new Marvel comics that you buy. And then in addition, you can read, check, check books out, download books, um, from the, the library of, of free reading. Uh, that is actually, again, like I said, I'm usually pretty impressed as we know, Marvel has been doing some of their, um, uh, insane Amazon sales. Yeah, there's some insane, to the point where, yeah, where you, the, the stuff that you can get for what you would otherwise pay for that $6.99 is, is ridiculous. Um, I was gonna actually say that Marvel's produced some, uh, quote unquote original content for Comics All Oh, yeah. Limited. Yeah, yes, they have. They, they have done, have you checked these out actually? They did the Immortal Iron Fists, which is the Carrie Andrews sequel to his Iron Fist Living Weapon series. Right. They did Thor and Hulk Champions of the Universe. Right. Uh, which was, to all intents and purposes, a tie into the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Black Panther series going on now. Yep. There's an Avengers series coming up soon. Mm-hmm. I want to say there's something else in the works. Yeah, I do want to Oh, something in the works. Part of me half thinks that there was something in between. I, I, yeah, I feel like there might have been another book, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't what it would be. Yeah, I I don't know, and maybe maybe we're wrong, but I feel like there's one, and that sort of sums up the Marvel's original content. I have not <laughs> checked. I, I say that without having really checked checked any of it out. Um, well, to be honest, when when they announced the Immortal Iron Fist series, 
I think you and I, we definitely said it offline, and I'm fairly sure we said online, Mm -hmm. it was a book that was announced for print and then disappeared for a year, which really gave the impression of, oh, it's, it's, they're literally just dumping what you would be fillers or inventory. Yeah. Uh, on Comixology Unlimited. Yep. Which, which, you know, I know is not the case for the Thor Hulk series and also for the Black Panther series. Yes. The Black Panther series, fascinatingly enough, is a six issue series, four issues of which are by one creative team, two issues by an entirely different creative team, and the two issues by the different creative team happen in the middle of the series. Wow. Wow. It's inexplicable to me. And also, surprisingly, they didn't, I feel like they didn't make enough of the fill-in team mm-hmm. because the writer on the fill-in team is Ryan Coogler's co-writer from Creed. Oh, wow. Right? You'd think that they would have made a bigger deal out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they didn't. Hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, that, the, the Black Panther series in particular is very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, because the writer who did the first two issues and the last two issues, um, went public and was like, I don't know why you people think that like this isn't this wasn't the plan all along. This is this has always been the plan. I was always supposed to do three issues. And she's been announced for four. <laughs> oh right. Right, right, right. And yeah. it's like, what? What is actually happening? You're like, why is there filling in the middle of the book, first of all? And secondly, why does she think she's doing an issue less? Ah, <laughs> uh, they like to they like to keep you guessing. They like to keep you right? guessing there, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, so, but there has been, you know, there has been a bunch of, of Marvel series. And I feel that Comicsology Unlimited has done, uh, original material from other publishers. Valiant definitely did some, some oh, right. original material. Maybe that's what oh, I was oh, thinking of. Yeah, yeah, because the Valiant High. They, they had Valiant High, yeah, which was Dan Kibblesmith and shit. Who wrote, who drew that? Kano? Uh, no, it's kind of a cuter style than Kano, I think. Um, but I, but I don't remember um i but yes ironically enough the it's eric charm yeah the 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 one the the one comicsology original series that i've read has been the non-marvel so um that's that i think says everything that needs to be said about how you feel about marvel these days (laughs) i guess i guess it kind of does i i suppose I i should also admit they made a Battle Angel Alita, uh, comicsology original, quote unquote, uh, you know, and that it was previously published elsewhere, but, um, uh, it's pretty, that also is, I've started reading, so, yeah, you know, you're right, it does say something about Marvel. Uh, I am shocked that they're offering a 15% discount though, cause I'm just like, uh, as we've talked about, you know, pretty much constantly over the last few months, Marvel really needs to do something to 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 basically bridge the divide with retailers and basically show them that that they're you know that they're listening to them, that they matter, that they treat that they consider them real partners because the fact of the matter is the retailers are the fucking cash flow for Marvel. And just the idea that they're turning around and being like, yes, and that's why we're giving fifteen percent discount on I mean because of this this means that when you buy something if you're a comiXology unlimited member you're buying new comics at at discount prices through the service which is I would lay money that Marvel would argue that 15% is still less than discount retailers get it 
it's less than the discount that the retailers get, but it's significantly greater because the retailers can't mark their stuff down. They can't mark well, their comics I, down, I, really. I would lay money that they would argue that they can and that they choose not to. I would, like if if it ever came to a fight, mm-hmm. I I'm convinced that would be Marvel's. Day. Oh sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see Marvel saying any variety of shitty things, and there's a uh, there's even things to which I sort of agree. I mean, I personally, as you know, have moved into mostly buying on digital. This really mm-hmm. isn't any, anything but a potential incentive for me to try exactly. out more I... books from from either Marvel or from the other uh, spotlighted publishers. But at the same time, there's part of me where, again, I feel like Marvel needs to build some bridges. And while this isn't just, it's not a flat out setting fire to the bridge, it's, it's, I feel like it's not helping. It's not a good, it's not a good look, as the kids say. It's, it's not a good look, but it's, you know, just the latest in a number of bad looks. Mm-hmm. What'll be interesting will be seeing if Marvel backed down from this. Because bear in mind that Marvel Utterly backed down from giving the uh, the Legacy Issue One variants mm-hmm. uh, on open order after it was announced, and yeah. retailers got super pissed. Well, but that's that's different. You know what I mean? Like but that's I, I, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, it's it's a very different circumstance. But in terms of like a poke in the eye in retail uh, of oh, retailers, sure. yeah, yeah, it's it's another example of that. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that if this again is going to end up being something that Marvel are like, uh, or at least. Takes it down to ten percent, along with everyone. Along other with everyone else, yeah, I think so. We we will see. We will see. So so yeah, I thought but that was kind I, of. I, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you buy a lot of uh, Marvel on on, on Comicsology? You know, uh, I Just buy any Marvel Comicsology. <laughs> I don't any. I don't anymore. Like I just really, but that's more from uh, it's. I would like to say it's like, oh, because I caught on and I'm clever and I know it's all coming coming to Comicsology Unlimited. That's, I mean, Marvel Unlimited. That's that's not the case. I will I turn around like, um, for example, Punisher the Platoon, which I'm behind on. You know, I I've got. I, I, I will never show up at Unlimited on Com- on Marvel Unlimited. Right, exactly. So that doesn't seem like such a bad call since I'm a Garth Ennis Punisher fan. Um, yeah. Gwenpool, which does, uh, will show up on Marvel Unlimited. I buy sure. that to, and read it in, in real time, I guess, as the kids say. Um, geez, I, I should be able to be, let me see here. If I look, it, it's so funny because I'm like, well, let's look at my recently purchased. And so much of it is like, oh, yeah, Beauty and the Beast, aka Dazzler and the Beast, and West Coast Avengers, Zodiac Attack, and other things that I paid absurdly low prices for on Amazon. Oh my god. Ugh. I actually want to ask you about that for a second, because did you see that Amazon basically like puts those prices up and down at random? Uh so you ping you ping me on Twitter and you're like, Oh my god, look, this Steve Engelhart West Coast Avengers book is, is one eighty or something. Right. And I looked the next day and it was three dollars. Wow. Uh, maybe you're getting confused because I posted two I screenshots. All the Steve Englehart uh, books, and yeah, no, they, they were because I I noticed both were because you did that. What was the other one? It was Beauty and the Beast, right? Uh, yeah. I put actually there were three three screenshots. One was um. One was uh the the Marvel Age, 
Golden Age of Marvel Comics showcase or whatever, and that was like that was the one that was like literally a dollar eighty, and I was like, "Oh, come on, you guys, this is bullshit." And then I have to ask, why did you send that to? Because I I didn't get the like Engelhart, sure, Engelhart West Coast Avengers, yes, please. Especially seeing as that isn't on unlimited yet for some reason, right? Um. But I didn't get why you were sending me the Golden Age Marvel thing. I was oh, like, no, 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 am, no, no, I, no. am I actually a fan of this and I don't understand? No, 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 no. I, I'm sorry. The, the, this is bullshit Marvel was to everyone with the photo. Oh, of okay. The, okay. Yeah. But then the Engelhart and the, uh, Dazzler and the Beast trades were the ones that I sent to you directly. Uh, uh, or not to you directly, but I, I tagged you in the post. I'm trying to find where my, Damn order is here. Good Christ. Okay, hold on one second. Because for whatever reason, it's really help, happy to tell me what what I'm buying. Why are you not doing this? Talk amongst yourselves, everyone. Uh, Amazon order. Let's try that. Listeners, what's happening is Jeff has spent all his time looking up on Amazon to see what his first purchase was. This is, for some reason, this is a random Twitter craze recently. And he discovered that his first Twitter, his first Amazon purchase was in 2002, and it was a copy of 2001, the Stanley Kubrick novel. He just thought it would be hilarious. He ordered it on January the 1st, 2002. He thought it would be hilarious to go, it's a period piece! And that joke lasted at least three days before Jeff sadly was murdered. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Lester, who's always been doing this podcast, he is a ghost. That's right. Sorry, uh, g ghost <laughs> Wow. Okay, I've been for long enough, Jeff. Come on. I, I, no, Graham. I think the <laughs> listeners need more of this. I certainly do. I... <laughs> So yeah, no, the, the Golden Age Marvel Comics Masterworks, which I sent to everyone with holy shit, was marked for a dollar forty. But I believe when I screenshotted the screenshot the Engelhart one and forwarded it along to you, it was three dollars, which was the same okay. price. Well, that, yeah, that, okay, that, yeah. they didn't I thought I honestly thought they were putting prices up and down and I was like, This is fucking weird. No, 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 no. But no. also not unexpected because they do the sales without telling anyone. Right. They do the sales without telling anyone and then the prices are insane. Cause again, the, the Beauty and the Beast trade, which is the Dazzler and the Beast miniseries and the Dazzler graphic novel and apparently has some material from Fallen you, Angels as well. But here's the question. No, it can't have material from Fallen Angels. I think that's what it said. Hold on. Dazzler, me... But Dazzler and Beast aren't in Fallen Angels. That Dude, makes no sense. Uh, okay. Collects Marvel Graphic Novel 12, Dazzler the Movie, Beauty and the Beast 1 through 4, oh, and material from Marvel Heartbreakers number 1. Maybe oh, that's, that's how I okay. got confused. Sure. Yeah, okay. sorry about that. Because I was like, Fallen Angels? They're not, they're not any Fallen Angels. That would make no sense. Dude, all I know, for if it wasn't for the Jim Shooter part thing, I was like, oh, maybe it's a Stealth and Nascenti collection. You know? It's like, I don't know. She was, oh, was she Fallen Angels or was that Louise Simonson? Uh, that was Joe Duffy. Gah! <laughs> you got two of the three women writing for Marvel at the time. And, and editors. And editors. So, yeah. Shit. All right. Ignore me. Um, which will make for a fun podcast. Uh, so. Ignore me! <laughs> Still one of the funniest jokes ever to be on television. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. Uh, so, uh, especially for those of us who, who love that old school thing. So basically, yeah, I do buy X-Men Grand Design, of course. I picked up, uh, on day of release from, uh, from Comixology. Um, the, uh, Black Panther Panther's Quest, I think I bought directly from them, uh, which I haven't cracked much to my chagrin. But yeah, no, it's, it, the, the vast majority of the stuff that I've been reading on, um, like just the other day, the stuff the, the my purchases were, you know, the Milk Wars, Justice League of America, Doom Patrol crossover, Silencer number one, Metal number five, Deathstroke Defiance Annual, and Punisher the Platoon number five. So those stats. So a, bu- a bunch of DC books. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, and then when you look at the rest of the week, you know, on Not New Comics Day, I'm usually buying really scary crap, which we can talk about it. <laughs> Actually, I want to talk about your digital comics reading and something that I've just started doing this last week that you've been talking about for a long time now, which is Hoopla. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Finally started using Hoopla. It's fucking amazing, Jeff. Isn't it? Uh, I don't know how many books you can get out from your library because it's different depending on which library. I can get eight a month, which I... is pretty good because it's like it's all of DC's collections yeah basically for like the last two years mm-hmm. um it's a a lot of marvel a weird selection of marvel but a lot of marvel yeah. a lot of image a lot of idw a lot of dark horse a lot i mean of boom. I, I, I a lot of boom except, stuff too yeah and it, but like an exceptional amount of dark horse i was really genuinely yep. surprised how much dark horse there is yeah um and it's it's there's such a selection it's yeah. it, there's really really great stuff in there mm-hmm I think so, so. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for talking about Hoopla for so long. Because when I eventually checked it out, I was like, "Oh, this is really good." <laughs> yeah, it's great, and it's 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 definitely the 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 price point cannot be beat. Um, and yeah, the selection. Oh, and Archie, Ar- of course, the Archie stuff. Yeah, both old and new. So yeah, no, it's it's also a great service. Um, all the better because it's free. Um, I'm not as crazy per se about their the comics reader, but it's not. It's not terrible. It's certainly acceptable. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's also good service. I'm glad you're trying it and liking it. Comicsology Unlimited, like I said, there's there's usually once a month where I'm like, God, I wonder if I should really talk about this on the podcast or maybe post something on the blog, because it's a. Uh, I always find it to be kind of a like, oh God, I can't believe that this this thing's just available. Like, um. This month in February, coming to Comixology, for example, for people who are kind of, um, uh, let's see if I can actually see, see what's coming in, uh, is, are things like, um, American flag, the, that American flag trade that, that, uh, was put out. Dynam- Dynamite's put a bunch of stuff on as of the first of, of February. So let's see, new January editions. So. Hello. Let's see all of them. I don't want to. I'm like, oh, great. The mask omnibus. I mean, you know, there's a variety of things where it's like, I don't really necessarily care about that per se, but. Sure. But, but like other people will. One yeah. of the things that is so good about Hoopla or, or Comixology Unlimited is when essentially you're, you're either in terms of Hoopla where you get it free. We should say Hoopla is a service you get through your library. It's a digital yeah. reader, but also you can do audiobooks, you can do uh, music and television and movies. Mm-hmm. Um, hoopla.com will give you information. You can check if it, if it's your library. That's H-O-O-P-L-A.com. Very nice. Um, 
but that's a free service or Comixology Unlimited where it's five ninety nine a month. I just went and checked. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Or for that matter, Marvel Unlimited where, where it's $10 a month or, or uh, $60 for the year is you can kind of explore things that you wouldn't really put a lot of effort or money into getting otherwise. Yep. So I could totally see someone being like, oh, the mask omnibus, why not? Mm-hmm. Right, sure. Exactly. You know? It's kind of like, because, I'm because, bored, yeah, there's nothing all your to do. Piece, yeah. yeah, all you're really spending is your time. Yeah, exactly. But um, this is interesting. A lot of the stuff that they've got here, I don't think they've updated with the, oh, these are still the January books. Oh, that's why. But like the February stuff, let's see here if I can put us through this whole thing. Oh, God, Jeff, you are so unprepared. It's terrible. Uh, unlimited selection. Well, to be fair, Jeff, we kind of, we skewed off topic immediately. It's not like we were like, you know, on a call beforehand going, and then we'll talk about Comicsology Unlimited, and you better have all those things ready, Jeff. Right, exactly. That conversation didn't happen. Yeah. Um, their IDW is adding a hundred, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Turtle titles to uh, Comics Holiday Unlimited for February. And, hello, um, Rick and Morty, God Shaper, good old Civil War II, if you wanted to read that for not much. The Boys, the Volume 1 Digital Omnibus. So that's kind of like a big old chunk of reading right there. Unsurprisingly... Yeah, but how, what does yes? that include? Uh, the, the Digital what Omnibus? What does that include? Uh, let me see here. That yeah. includes... It, it it's 530 pages, so it's the first 22 issues of the series. So I mean that's I mean, that's a chunk. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can guarantee you. I think when I bought because I would I bought I ended up reading the boys by buying each volume of the digital omnibus pretty much once a year when it was on sale or something like that, and I I paid far more than than the 5.99 a month to to be able to read it. Uh, Underwater Welder, the first two volumes of Empowered, the American American Flag, the Definitive Collection, um, burr, 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 burr. Uh, um, Motro Volume One, uh, Terminal Hero, um, which of course sold like maybe six copies. Three thousand volumes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Transformers Classics Volume <laughs> One, Earth X. Transformers Classics Volume One, though, Jeff. Oh man, I tell you, I'm not. I didn't. I didn't make I, it very I, far. I'm, I'm sure they're terrible, but that's my youth right there. No, I know. Like, well, I tried. I tried reading. I, reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I jumped in on the Transformers Classics back when uh, I think um, a kind soul gifted us the Transformers Humble Bundle or something like that. I was like, oh, okay, I'll start from the very beginning. And after like issue four of uh, the original miniseries, I'm like. Please God, just let Bob Budiansky run me over with a truck. I'm 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 ready to depart the world now, Jesus. You know, and uh, it was it was kind of fun, but it was also kind of like these are a mite on the tedious side. So, but again, since I'm not since I wasn't reading them when I was a kid, there was no I don't have the strong nostalgia. So you know, at some point I'll check out the later. More than meets the eye stuff that I've heard so many good yeah, things about. But, but like the original Marvel series are not good comics. That's that's the thing. Like yeah. I, if you don't have nostalgia for it, mm-hmm. I am fully I fully believe it's unreadable shit. <laughs> right. It was. It wasn't that. It was close. I gotta tell you. It was. It was because I mean, in a way, there's part of me where 
the the miracle of you know sort of shooter era Marvel comics is is that things more or less hung together. It just there was nothing that was done. It was all cranked out pretty terribly. And let's face it, I think that. Trying to find someone who can do that sweet spot. I don't even remember who the illustrator was for the first four issue Fra- series. Frank Spir- Springer. I can tell you that See, right now. See, there we go. Frank Springer, I, who's never an inspired choice for anything as far as I'm concerned. is I And I might be wrong, but I want to say Bill Matlow might have written at least the first couple of issues. Uh, you know, it's again, I, part of the reason why I called out Bob Budiansky is I feel like he was doing the... He definitely took over when it went an ongoing, but I want to say Mantlow did at least the first couple. Oh, maybe he did. Maybe he did issue one and issue two, and then eventually he, I don't even think he completed the miniseries. So, so let's, let's yeah. look this up. He did. He did the first two issues of right. the, the ongoing, of the uh, miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to Jeff. So anyway, yeah, I basically like Comixology Unlimited, although I, I don't use it as much as I should because again, I will just turn around. And um, I'm so prolific or uh, uh, ridiculous with my cash, I'll just drop coin on on any old thing, and then be spend some time reading that, and be like, "Why did I pay money for this? I'm an idiot." Um, so, but I do supplement that sometimes with the with the Hoopla stuff, the Marvel Unlimited, and the Comicsology Unlimited, and and. Honestly, if you, if you have all three and you pay the yearly thing for uh for Marvel Unlimited, you're you can get quite a significant amount of comics for very little monthly overhead. Well, that that's just it. So say you're um you're paying the annual for the comic for Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. So that essentially comes down to five dollars a month. Yeah. Then you add six dollars a month for Comicsology Unlimited. Mm-hmm. So you're paying eleven dollars a month. Hoopla is free. That's right. Yeah, like that's you can get a, a lot of reading. Yeah, you can for pre- for eleven dollars a month. Eleven dollars a month pretty much gets you access to whatever trade DC does. You know. Yeah, if, all if you're Marvel's willing to output. Be, yeah, if you're willing to be six months behind, because that's essentially <laughs> the the length of DC's trade collections these days as well. Yep. yep. Then you can read both Marvel and DC six months behind for eleven dollars a month. Yeah. Or if you cut Comicsology Unlimited out of the equation because you don't care so much about Valiant or old Conan comics or the occasional brilliant manga book. Yeah, um, for five dollars a month. For five dollars a month, yeah. So it's 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 kind of it's it's kind of an amazing period. And so like I said, enough of a good deal, Comicsology Unlimited, even though I cut it out, that when the deal came through, part of me was like why are they doing this? Like you said, I, it, it seemed a foregone conclusion for you, and maybe they were just doing it to juice up the numbers, but considering it's a program that's modeled on Amazon's Kindle Unlimited, um, which, as far as I know, does not allow you to have any discount on your other ebook purchases. Well, you know? but uh, so far. Right. Interesting. Like this, this could be a pilot program for sure. something similar for for Amazon Unlimited. Yeah, yeah. I I had a month of, to tie this together. I had a a late night stab of paranoia after I purchased those three trades in the Marvel's latest stupidly cheap Amazon sale because I bought them and then I opened up my iPad. I opened up Comixology to download them. 
And the only one that automatically downloaded was Beauty and the Beast. And I'm like, wait a minute, why aren't the other two showing up? Like, didn't I purchase them? I even checked my purchase receipt. I did. They were available in my Kindle app, but they were not available in Comixology. And I had this moment of, like, just impressive paranoia um, where I was like, oh, my God, this current sale is, like, they're checking to see. Sure enough, I went back and I looked at all my screenshots, and it didn't say read in Kindle and Comixology. It was like, read this in our Kindle, read this on Kindle. And I was like, you know, I was so used to it, like, if you buy it on Kindle, it automatically pops up on Comixology that I was like, oh, shit, have they severed that and they didn't tell anyone and this is their next step to suddenly be, you know, basically kind of being like, eh, comicsology, you know, like now that they've trained the comicsology readers to check Amazon every two or three weeks for absurdly stupid sales, like, let's see if they, you know, let, let's see if those, those guys notice or care if we make it so that it's a Kindle only purchase at these stupidly, you know, inexpensive prices. That paranoia... But, actually, but, but the books came through in Comixology eventually, right? Yeah, three, four days later, I think. So, uh, which is fine, you know, eventually. I, I've, all, I have to admit, I've always wondered, because the, the deal is, in theory, that anything you buy on Amazon, if it's a comic book, uh, on the, in the Kindle store, will show up in your Comixology account. I've always wondered what happens if you buy something in Kindle store that doesn't exist in Comixology. Um, it just sits there. I mean, you can it, read it. And... It, it, it doesn't show up in Comixology, though? Yes. So, like, if I bought a 2008 book, because there's no Rebellion store in Comixology, it just wouldn't show up. That's correct. I, well, I mean, it doesn't show up in Comixology. That's right. Like, there's, in, in Comixology, the Comixology app, there's, under your smart list, there's a from Kindle section, or purchased on Kindle, or what do they call it? Yeah, from Kindle. And you'll go, and you can look through that, and of course, it won't have the things that it can't. So, I bought a lot of those. Um, well, the first couple of the Judge Dredd case files for really stupid cheap, because they yeah. were pretty stupid cheap on for the Kindle. Um, and I didn't. I ended up not being super crazy about the format at the time. They because they, at the time the Kindle app was a mess. I mean, you know how the 2000 AD um, typography for the early Judge Dredd stories are the font yeah, sizes are just it's, yeah it's it, they're actually really hard to read yeah. uh, i buy from the 2080 store and i download them and they they're just they they're really the early stuff is really hard to read on a screen yeah it is and i mean but what helps is in theory is when you buy it because what you're buying from the 2080 store is basically really well put together pdfs you can at least I think you can pinch the zoom on them, right? So you can at yeah, least yeah, yeah, zoom yeah. in, but you can't do that on the Kindle app. At least, maybe you can now that it's part of Comixology. So it was just impossible to read. There was no way. I was like, this is, so of course, you know, me being me, I, um, I enjoyed the versions that I ended up buying on the, uh, 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 on the, on the 2000 AD app much more for that reason. All of which is to say, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't show up. They, they, it seems as if they don't exist. So, um, but all of the things that carry over between the two, I've always been curious about the stuff that's like, that you could buy an ebook for, um, comicsology that wouldn't be on Amazon. 
you know, and it's like, and that hasn't happened yet. I'm sort of intrigued and surprised that the comicsology, as far as I know, the comicsology submit line, you know, of uh, creator-owned material isn't made available on the Amazon Kindle store, I don't think. You know? Oh, I, I honestly would not know. I haven't, I haven't checked. I haven't, I haven't really looked either, but it is, it is interesting. It's not, it's not a two-way street. It's not like when I go to my Kindle uh, app and I open up my library, I see everything that I've bought on Comixology. It doesn't, it doesn't go that way. That's currently, it currently only goes one way, which I think is kind of fascinating and a little weird. And I don't know if that's troubling or, or not, honestly. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Digital Talk with Jeff Lester and Graham McMillan. We're now going to talk about other apps that yes. are entirely unrelated. Jeff, have you played? I'm literally like, my brain went silent. I was like, think of another app. And the first thing I thought of was Can Crush. Good Christ, Graham. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Hey, I actually want to ask you, because you mentioned it. Um, what did you think of Milk Wars? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mentioned it on Twitter. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it is, it was an unbelievably gorgeous book. Just like. It, it's, it looks amazing, doesn't yeah. it? It's, it, it's ACO or ACO. I don't know which it is. Yeah, I don't either. But just, they can draw like a motherfucker. They can and they do. And the story gives them all the leeway. I mean, it's kind of amazing, like, you know, here's a book with a Frank Quitely cover, and I was like, oh, well, you know, it's all downhill from here. But I, I was like, oh, nope. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, like just gorgeous rendering, gorgeous layouts, just, just so much. The layouts, the layouts are the strongest part for me. Although I have to say, I really appreciate ACO manages to simultaneously look like their work, but the Doom Patrol also manages to have a Nick Darrington-ness about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very much which, so. Which, which was genuinely surprising to me, because I, I remember when it was first announced, I was like, oh, ACO was great, but I really like the way Nick Darrington draws these characters. Yes. Yeah. And, and they managed to get some, like, they managed to get that across somehow. Yeah. I thought so, too. I really thought so, too. So, yeah, it was, it, I, I really love the look of it. Uh, I enjoyed the meta aspect of it too, of course. Um, which was it's it's very meta. Yeah, it's super. It, it's arguably more meta than it is a straightforward plot. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, which is fun. So in a way, it's really. I mean, it's just it's just a big old beautifully drawn lark, and I really enjoyed that. I also think that it has a lot of the um warmth of Gerard Way's Doom Patrol, at least that opening arc, um, seems very yeah. much in, in effect here. It, it, it never lands with me as strongly as I should. Like I was, I was kind of curious to talk about it with you in the sense of like, did this book work for you emotionally? Cause there are, there's at least one uh, beat honestly, that's very honestly, emotional. Honestly, no. Mm-hmm. It, it does not. And my feeling of this was honestly a little bit of disappointment because mm. I really liked Doom Patrol and I really like Orlando's Justice League of America. Mm-hmm. And this felt both like both books mm-hmm. and yet somehow missing the essential appeal of both books. 
Despite being written by mm-hmm. Steve Orlando Gerard Way. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's something that's just slightly off. Um, and I, I, in large part, I think it might be that it is, it is such a lark. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, there's not a lot of there there. Mm-hmm. And it, it misses the, from Doom Patrol, it misses the, uh, there's something about the way that Doom Patrol takes the surreality and the joke and just goes a stage further because it has the space and has the time. Mm-hmm. And here it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Here it's like, hey, we're remaking reality. Earth Prime is now like generic Earth. Ha ha! Mm-hmm. And a fight. And from Justice League of America, there's the, there's an element of embracing, uh, embracing legacy without making it nostalgia mm-hmm. that Orlando does. Uh, I know he's gotten a lot of stick for bringing back Promethea, but before that, like, he's brought back fucking Prometheus from, uh, right. uh, Morrison's JLA, um, Aztec. He's brought back Aztec. He's mm-hmm. brought back, you know, I, all, all these different characters, even Vixen, you know? Right. He's doing stuff there. The Ray, he's really looking back at, like, the original fucking runs of these characters. Mm-hmm. But picking and choosing and going, yeah, that works, that doesn't, that works, that doesn't. And, doing a really good job of brushing them off and going, this is the core of the character, in a way that, you know, someone like Jeff Johns gets credit for, but without the preciousness that Johns can bring to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, you like it, it's impossible to read a Jeff Johns comic where he brings a character back and not know exactly when he was reading. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I imprinted on, you know, this era of, of uh, Green Lantern, I imprinted on this era of of Captain Marvel. I'm, you know, I I, I grew up with Jerry Conway's uh, Justice League Detroit, and you know, I love all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I also imprinted on, but he's like he's very clearly like you know, I brought the character back to basics, and basics just happens to me when I was ten years old. Right. And Orlando manages to sidestep that mm-hmm. by by just going no, but this works. And this doesn't, and I and I'm not even going to nod to the stuff that doesn't. Well, I'm just going to present the characters, and there's no space to do that here. What I thought was, to me at least, what felt like a larger stumbling point is, um, the the thrust of the story is is sort of you know as as you pointed out, there's sort of these this generic manufactured Earth, and the JLA has um milkman man who is who seems at first as if he is a superman analog and then when you see the justice league who have become the community league um and are basically fighting for their uh the the public property and public you know quote unquote values that brings them into conflict with doom patrol there's kind of a way in which part of me is like um there, there's repeated sections throughout, throughout that I thought that you might dig that strike me as very, they were unsubtle, but it's very much like Casey from the Doom Patrol is like, it's okay to be weird. Like, it's okay to be strange. Oh yeah, like, and, and, and I appreciate to be that. I appreciated that. Yeah, I, I did, I, I, I figured you would, yeah, but, but the thing that's weird is I'm kind of like, how do I put it? Like, this, the, the team that, that Orlando, 
or D, or his editor have assembled for the Justice League are not are not conventional. You know what I mean? Like you can't take Vixen I, I, and put yeah. her in, you know, an an orange dress and pull her hair back and suddenly she's supposed to be like, "Oh, this this is conformity." You know what I mean? Like it's well, just exactly not. like there, there's it's it's the wrong Justice League to do that with. Exactly. Exactly. Like you should have done the Central Justice League because with this version of the, of the JLA, you have a black woman, you have a, a queer hero, you have fucking Lobo. Yeah, you've got like, Lobo you know, and like um, an Asian uh, man, like, you know, like I, Ryan Joy, and mm-hmm. you know, it, and one of the selling points of Orlando's Justice League of America series is that it is the oddball Justice League, right? So, and, and so to, to then go no, but they're you know, like they're they're the community league of Happy Harbor, right? Like I kind of see where they're where they're going, which is because they don't fit in, it's so much more obvious that something is wrong, right? But it still breaks the fictional reality yeah. to have a black woman's essentially complain to Casey uh, to to Jane rather, like you've got colored hair, therefore you don't fit in, right? I mean, it just it, yeah, it's like. I totally know where you're going, but yeah, there, there's a, a suspension of disbelief that that genuinely doesn't work here. Yeah, well, uh, there's two two things I did like. I should say one, I don't know why, and it's the dumbest joke, but Carl Lobo, mm-hmm. it, it will never not be one of the funniest things in the world to me. <laughs> that he just like his name is Carl. I don't know why, and that he introduced himself as Carl Lobo. I, hilarious to me. Um, I really like that Milkman Man isn't Superman. Yes. Spoilers, everyone. But I really like. I really like that. That it 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 basically, um, they basically say like, no, it's it's not the real Superman, yeah. and that that is the the driver for the quasi denouement of the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the. I guess it's leading into the second issue, or maybe it's it's leading into the, the tie-ins. I don't know, but um, but I I, I like that a lot because definitely going into this, I thought I just assumed he was Superman. Right, right, you know? exactly. Which is which is the big threat is the big feint, and um, and so yeah, by by making him not, I got to admit that that was an interesting point, and then by trying to take the additional tie-in of of his identity. Which seems like it's supposed to be a big thing. It's certainly a very lovely rendered reaction page, but I, uh, yeah, it was it. You know, there, there was a there was a lot to like. It didn't quite land, and I was aware, like as a story, it was doing remarkably little for me. But in terms of just eye candy. Like I was. Oh, just, I, oh yeah, it's it, it's a comic you should buy just to look at, it, which else. is pretty much what happened, and and it was fully worth the purchase price for me. I was flipping through it, going, "God, this is just beautiful. This is beautiful." You know, whereas I, I've yeah, I've got to tell you before we move on from this, uh, DC's promotional item for this, I don't know if it was in whatever store you were in, mm-hmm. uh, is a milk carton. <laughs> they put out uh, Milk Wars milk cartons, which are made by the Maggie Bell Milk Corporation. Uh, and the nutrition facts, trans fats, zero grams, saturated, zero grams, trans fats, zero grams, uh, psychic distortion, 88%. 
Cholesterol, zero grams. Positive vibrations, seven to eight percent. Negative vibrations, zero percent. Cosmic vibrations, twelve percent. <laughs> I love that. It's super cute. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you're you're going you're going to move on from that, perhaps to the silencer. Uh, no, interesting. I will oh. circle around to that, but I was going to sort of talk about Metal Five because I felt. Metal 5 really suffers in comparison to it, which is interesting, you know, because, uh, you know, admittedly I'm having diminishing return-itis with metal, but this issue in particular was one where I felt in a lot of ways it should have landed. Um, certainly it was a big improvement over the previous issue, but part of it is kind of... I don't know. I, I, I just, there's ways in which I was looking at some of this being like, again, I can't help but feel like either it's, it's not working for Capullo or Capullo is just, there, there, there were panels in this that I was like, eh, this would be pretty good if it was on a, you know, Bazooka Joe comic strip, you know, is just so quickly rendered and sketchy in a way, you know, and of course, meanwhile, it's supposed to be, you know, they've really gone over the top with trying to come up with like, oh, here's big, crazy, insane graphics that you can go to town with. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it's because of the pacing, but I'm like, when you have a depowered Superman and Batman versus an enormous hawk god at the end of the forge of the multiverse or whatever, it's supposed to be like kind of this rockin' thing and it all just feels like really so heavily maybe it's just maybe maybe the whole comic is just over jammed or something i don't know but ultimately um i felt like the the doom patrol justice league issue was just so much eye candy and so pleasant to look at that it really didn't necessarily matter that there was no story and meanwhile metal which is in theory, all story, but is so slight. Um, you, I feel like you really need that extra edge that the art's going to give it, and the art really does suffer from, you know, issue five of Ventitis, you know, at least to me. So I'm, I, I, I at once disagree with you and yet think you're you're on to something mm-hmm. um i think it looks better than issue four i think mm-hmm. we can we can both agree that in this is generally a better issue than the previous issue right it is still a comic that almost uh refuses to be read by me <laughs> like I, I i talked about this last time i'm reading these comics mm-hmm. and i come to issue five and i've like almost entirely forgotten what's happened in the previous four issues right and by the time i've reached the end of issue five i've almost entirely forgotten what's happened in issue five mm-hmm. it I, and i don't know what it is yeah it's like the comic is like i am having some sort of weird brain chemical rejection of metal. <laughs> well which um, i can which i can I, see like, yeah I honestly, I don't know if it's me mm-hmm. or if it's the comic, but this story seems nonsensical in a way that event comics are uh, derided for being nonsensical, but genuinely never achieve. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much going on in metal. I'm like, but why? Like, what? How does this even, can, like, what 
uh, uh, and that's it. That's just like, how does Barbados actually tie in with this? What has this any of this got to do with the, the, the nth medal? It seems like don't get me wrong. Snyder is clearly loving the chance to play with everything, right? And he really is. Like mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. At one point, again, spoilers, but the Martian Manhunter shows up. And they're like, we haven't seen you for a while. And he's like, I've been looking into this, same as you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, really? Uh, sure, I guess. Right. But also, why? How? Right. What happened? Like, how did you... Uh? Well, um, I, and, and as you know, I think... Uh, how do I put it? Like, all most event comics kind of create that weird everything's happening, nothing's happening feeling to it, that that sort of weird vertigo, because so much of what they're doing is is like pointing outside the framework of their comic at the various tie-in plots that are spinning through the different one-shots and crossover issues. And and maybe that's happening here, but I, I'm, I'm impressed at the degree to which by the standard of most other DC events, or I guess I could say Marvel events, although it's been so long since I've finished one. Uh, it, it really feels like Snyder keeps acting as if the stakes are larger or increased, or it's never been more important than now that blank is blank. But there's a, to me, there's such a huge chunk of like, but what's, but I don't know what's happening. I don't necessarily know what's what, at stake. What are like, the stakes? Yeah, it's it's like I don't <laughs> understand why the issue. Basically, I feel like everything that happened with the the villains with Barbados coming to the Earth and transforming Gotham City and the huge flying like Joker dragon or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that was two issues ago. What the hell have they been doing since? Like the, no, the but, but not like, like what does that have to do with Hawkman? Right. Well, like, yes. it's one of those, it's one of those things where they're like, everything connects together. Yeah. Which would be great if any of it actually made sense. Right. But none of it does. It's yeah. all, everything connects together because we've just decided it connects. Yeah. It's not a, I have a master plan as much as I've just realized all of these things were available. And so I've just, you know, it's equivalent of saying Martian Manhunter's here because he's actually Hal Jordan's brother. Right. Hey, that, that would actually, in a way, part of me is like, oh, that may, I'm not saying it makes more sense, but I'm like, at least there's sort of a little bit of a tie-in. Like, the fact that, that Diana, you know, has a big showdown with Black Adam that really is so, dis, so dispatched so perfunctorily that it's, it's kind but, of... I mean, it, it really is, it's, it's like, a, it's essentially a page of real estate. Yeah. And with that, half of the, half of that page, it's her hitting Black Adam. Yeah. Just, but just once. Just like, clonk. You know, and it's like, oh, and that's the end of that. And she's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. and then she gets shot. You literally get as much time with, I don't know, the Batman who laughs, like, talking about his stupid gun filled with his stupid bullets made out of stupid metal. You know, that it's just like, okay. No, it's made out of eighth metal. Yeah, See, but... like, nth metal if nth is nine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. So the, so to me it's 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 also there's particularly with this issue I part of me is like oh it really is kind of like a big super over the top Justice League story. 
You know, it's like, here's the characters where the Justice League is split into four parts on their different little missions that they had to go off to, and it looked like they were in the soup, and now they're not, you know, and here comes the Gardner Fox trick of them switching enemies, you know, or however you end up working it. It's just, it gets layered on with this soup song of, uh, Snyderian hysteria that, that feels like it should be working, but really kind of isn't to me anyway. It's, it all, well, that, that, really... that's just it. It, it, it really should be, I don't say better than this, but it, I expect it all to be more coherent than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 lack of coherence for this and on your side and I don't really feel this but I think you're much more of a Capullo fan than I am and therefore more tuned to this Capullo disappointing you in, on a similar way mm-hmm. is as much as anything just like surprising right you know it's like oh I thought you guys had been working together for so long that you'd deliver something better well I, but I I do think and I could be wrong that there's very much uh you know, Snyder, despite being the most crazily acclaimed dude at DC, um, the guy doesn't have a perfect track record, you know? Like, I enjoyed his Batman stuff with Capullo, but, you know, you turn around and you give him, like, Superman with Jim Lee, and that's just... As... And that, yeah, that just did come off. Yeah, yeah it's just, just, a, it's just a big old mess. Um, I would actually, I would say metal is actually better than that Superman run. Oh yeah, I think so. I think so too. But I mean, you know, you're damning with pretty faint praise. Oh no, that, no, that that is the faintest of praise. Yeah, it really. Is. But um, but it, it's also like one of the weird things about metal as well is how how much it fulfills all the cliches of event comics. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's incoherent in a way that people acclaim, declare event comics to be, but they rarely are. But also, like, it's got all these crossovers that literally do nothing. Yeah. Like, the uh, issue five ends with Nets a month to follow the multiverse and Dark Knight Rising, the wild hunt. And that, like, that should be my shit, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's Snyder and Grant Morrison writing, like, the multiverse story. Yeah. And instead, I was just like, can't this just be over? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Well, and part of me is like, I was kind of you know like, that nothing will happen in the wild hunt. The, right. Issue six, nothing, like, fine. You can ignore all the one shots. Mm-hmm. And I say that as being the mug who read all of the, the here's your evil Justice League Batman's right. one shots. Right. And, and they really did nothing. The, the Teen Titans Green Arrow series did nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. They added you, nothing. Yeah. The, the Justice League tie-ins added nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's that weird feeling of, honestly, again, it's that deal of, ah, Capullo's an interesting dude for me because I feel like, um, you know, he's, he's always a, a, to me, a very solid storyteller. You know, I think his, his under, he works really hard for the underlying, like his pages always manage he he really strives to be for his pages to be both readable but unexpected i suppose and yeah they they're, they're, he definitely is very aware of the um the value of a visual surprise or the visual uh mm-hmm. um 
I don't know the the, the visual value for whatever better way of putting it. Yeah. There, there, there should be an arresting image on the page. Yeah. And that image can be the layout, mm-hmm. or can literally be the way blacks have been laid out on the page. Exactly. Collective. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like metal is maybe him being like, okay, I'm going to try for the unexpected, and it and it somehow just ends up being like, which is him being almost like, oh yeah, you would think that I would totally get into rendering or or under rendering, um, this particular character, you know. And God knows when the Batman who laughs pops up, uh, I can't help but feel it's very much like when looking at the designs for all the various bat dudes, like Greg Capullo was like, oh yeah, that's the one I really want to draw. And Snyder was like, okay, I'll just, yeah, sure, okay, you know, <laughs> I'll jam it in there somewhere and I'll make sure <laughs> it seems cool because I'll give him a gun with eighth metal bullets, you know, but but at the same time, I just feel like, like I look at the stuff and, and every once in a while I'm like, oh, it looks like Capullo could have had fun designing those characters, except he kind of didn't have fun designing those characters because he didn't spend any time designing those characters because he's got too much shit to do. So I don't know. So in a way, part of me is like, maybe it's just that classic case of Snyder who, you know, again, good, but has the, you know, as I've said about, for example, Brian Bendis, there's a there's a real difference between being able to write a solo book and writing a writing a team book. And it's I think it's very easy when you've got a team book to add all these moving parts to the point where you forget a crucial cog. And and I feel like there's a couple of cogs that are kind of missing. I mean, honestly, there there's a uh like one of the last pages of metal has there's like a panel at the bottom where like all these books are falling into the fire. Like, right. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's the very last panel of the page right below wonder woman and, and hot girl leaping into battle against whatever the fuck we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And well, but that, that's related to Batman and, and Superman into the fire as well. Right. Like, that's them jumping into the fuck but it's the visual metaphor this one show yeah well it's it is a visual metaphor but all it made me do was think like oh right what the fuck was the Sandman character doing back in two issues ago is there was there a reason for him like what what happened with that (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I kind of had that yeah, weird. Yeah, but, but like... no, it's it's. I I don't know. I don't. I literally don't even know if it's a Sandman thing as much as it's when Batman was was in, like imagining his. When Batman was trapped in his life in the Batman Lost One Shot. Mm-hmm. All of the Justice League stories were there. All the Batman stories were there. Oh. So I think it's maybe the Batman's life is is falling into this uh, whatever. Because okay. I'm like uh, that that. That shot had literally no, I didn't even know what I was looking at or, I mean, I, once I figured out what I was looking at, I had no idea why it was there. I mean, that was probably my favorite part in the comic because it was such an insane non sequitur, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, I'm really genuinely curious what Metal is going to read like in collection. Oh, Jesus. Because here's the thing, it's either going to be utterly nonsensical or it's going to make sense in a way that 
for me, Final Crisis does. Yes. Final Crisis is much better in collection than it did uh, individually. Well, you know... Which and so does Multiversity for that part. So, that. so does which? Multiversity. Multiversity reads much better in collection than it did in English. Well, but see, this is this is where I was going to sort of wave my hand, because I, like, I feel like Grant Morrison is one of those dudes where... A lot of his stuff reads better in collection, in part because it's the second time that I'm reading it. You know what I mean? Like, and so, cause I remember f- complaining about Final Crisis, the various issues, and feeling like it felt like a ridiculous plotless free for all in a lot right? of cases. That, as well. That's just it. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking when we were talking. I was like, is this not like pretty much the reaction we had for Final Crisis when it was coming out? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, well, and it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. Who can tell? I I want to pivot off what you're saying because you literally led into the led back into the news, which is Scott Snyder's taking over Justice League, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Be careful what you wish for, I, I, right? Right. How? How? So after just saying, I don't think Scott Snyder does well with teams. Right. Well, <laughs> Scott Snyder's taking over Justice League. Yeah. It's the. I'm going to say that the. No justice, Justice League No Justice announcement is staggeringly unclear. Yes. For what it actually is. Yeah. What it is, and this was not clear, and took like me reading other people's comments Mm -hmm. to understand is Justice League No Justice is a weekly, four issue weekly comic that is coming out in May. Mm -hmm. Leading into it, it is going to end the Justice League and Justice League of America series for definite. And I think it's also ending Teen Titans and Titans. And coming out of it are going to be new versions of those four books. That was not clear yeah. from, from the announcement. Uh, and the only reason I think it's actually including Teen Titans and Titans is that I saw, I think, Scott Snyder mention that it folds those books, four books together. And so if Justice League books are ending, then surely the other two are as well. Right. Right. Right? You would think, yeah. But but not clear. Um, So that's happening. Out of that is coming a new Scott Snyder written, uh, no artist is known yet, uh, Justice League book. Yeah. And additional series, one of which will be written by James Tynan in the fourth, and one of which will be written by Joshua Williamson. Mm Mm-hmm. Or maybe more than one. We don't know how many books are coming out of it yet. Yeah, it it it's it's interesting. I don't think that it's the smartest move, but we'll see. I mean, part of me is like, again, when I was like, yeah, Scott Snyder should write the Justice League. It was a little bit of the, yeah, I like him. I like what he did with the characters of Batman. I really like the opening of Metal when it seemed like, oh, this is he's doing his sort of dream Justice League riff. You know, and, and he's cut it in half, essentially. Uh, I, I thought that that was a good idea. And part of me is like, oh yeah, maybe if he, if he, if he shows this kind of moxie, uh, sure, let him have the Justice League. But seeing all the rest of this, where it's, <laughs> you're like, you're like, then I read the rest of it. Right. And I thought, oh. <laughs> oh, maybe not. But uh, that said, I am, 100% here for uh, like a Josh Williamson Justice League mm-hmm. or Josh Williamson uh, Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. I think his, I think he's shown himself to be really, really good at quote unquote classic DC. Not only with Flash, which I think is a great book, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but also with his Justice League Suicide Squad series. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a really good job with that. Right, right. I remember you liking it. Um, uh, and and Tynan, uh, Tynan's, Tynan's detective has kind of gotten into sludge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gone on, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But definitely the, the first... You know, three or four arcs, I think, were were really solid. Yeah, no, people were kind of like, it sort of seemed like the surprise hit, and there were a lot of people recommending it. I kept telling myself, nah, ah, and of course now that, thanks to Hoopla, I could pick up those first couple of trades and read them for free. Uh, But yeah, we'll we'll see. Part of me is like, between this and the Bendis thing, I, I alternate between... Like, the DC's whole, like, we've got a plan, rebirth is a plan, it's a roadmap, we know where we're going with it, you know, provided we don't have Brian Bendis come up and decide that he's available and is going to dictate the terms of his, um, you know, arrival at DC, is kind of, I don't know, we'll say, part of me is like, were they are were they being disingenuous? Like, are they are they? You well, know, would it be to, foolish to, to, to hold on? To be to... fair to th- mm-hmm. to be fair to them, rebirth was a two year plan, and we're at the end of the two years. Well, I guess that's true. I I, I and I suppose that if you think of the and idea it's, that it's, yeah that it's doomsday, it's very possible. Yeah, it's very possible that that they never really had, or well, not that they never had, but that definitely when rebirth started, they weren't thinking beyond those two years. Sure. And now they're like, and now we are. Sure. Right. Um, something, something that surprised me greatly is I was talking to a retailer about this today. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me, like, you know, there's all these retailer forums that retailers are freaking out over this. Like, mm-hmm. not in an excitement, but in a nervousness. Yeah. And I can kind of see why with Bendis... Oh, very because much so. Yeah, Bendis ben, mm-hmm. is, is Bendis is a big name, but it it would be disingenuous to say that Bendis has been a significant sales presence for a while. So DC giving both Superman books to Bendis, right, feels like an eggs in one basket mm-hmm. move. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's either going to really pay off or it's not. Right. Um, I'm very surprised that they're nervous about Scott Snyder Justice League. Yeah. Not not because. You know, they think it's artistically going to be a success, but like, medals are big sales hits. And Snyder's Batman was a big sales hit. Like, he's not had a sales flop. Well, he, he's, okay, except, and this is, this is my thing, is, is I think DC, and it's not so much, it, to the extent that, that comic book companies naturally sort of tend to lean toward the writer for a variety of reasons, but ultimately you can spread a writer thinner than you can spread an artist. So it's a little easier to give the Barton Fink feeling to, to more titles. It, you know, but, sure. the, but the fact is, is that Snyder's biggest successes have come with Capullo. When you take away Capullo, Snyder's successes look a little more realistic slash not quite on target you know and like yeah it's going to be interesting to see who's drawing justice league and if capullo's involved right if capullo's involved then i think all of a sudden people are like oh you know what i think that this is this is this will be great but i but i think snyder in and of himself is 
not necessarily the strongest selling point that DC tends to think or assume that he, he is. And also there is a, the metal stuff is still selling, but, and I think the retailers are glad and the retailers need the hit and want the hit, but I think it is, it wouldn't surprise me if everyone else is, you know, sort of followed for me being like, after reading the two, um, metal lead-ins and the first issue of metal, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And now that we're issue five, I'm like, when, the, when is this fucking ride over? You know? And the fact that in your head, you're like, ha ha ha, when is this over? And DC's like, not reading the room right is like, good news. The ride is never ending. Like we've got <laughs> exactly the rides monthly starting in exactly. It's whatever, not even June. monthly. It's weekly. Like, uh, 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 well, yeah, but that's, right? that's four issues. Well, like, it's that's a four, four issues, issue but it's still four issues at a time where comics retailers are feeling the squeeze. You know, it's, when you when you're riding high and there's there've been a lot of hits you can be like oh sure i've got a weekly series because if it doesn't pay off hey i've still got money in the bank money is tight for retailers in part well, what's yeah what's genuinely risky is the dc's running both weeklies at the same time oof Bendis, right? weekly is running at the same time as uh no no justice right which is it's what it's one of these things. If both books are hits, yeah, then that's a great success for retailers, right? But if even one of those books flops, and I don't mean like just sells okay, I mean I write flops, right? That could be disastrous, well, and that could be disastrous at a time when nobody needs a disaster. Exactly, exactly. Especially because Marvel is going to be doing something around that same time. You know they are. Yeah, completely. Oh, if they weren't before, they are now. It, in June, Marvel is going to, like, DC is already kind of programming what Marvel's planning and doing. Right. Because everyone knows what Marvel is planning and doing. Like, this has been the worst secret in comics since, mm-hmm. like, since before Legacy. Mm-hmm. Like, before Legacy launched, everyone's like, oh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is doing Captain America? That's great. Nick Spencer's doing Spider-Man? Oh, that, that, you know, that's probably a disaster. <laughs> you know, I, and, no, but like everyone has known this. So when Legacy was announced and it was like Dan Slaw's doing Spider Man, Mark Wade's doing Captain America, people were like, What? But right. I, I heard. So it's not you know, it's not like people don't know this is coming. And so I feel like DC is weirdly counter programming stuff that hasn't officially been announced yet. Mm-hmm. The problem being, in May and June, all this shit is gonna hit. Yeah. Yeah. And a retailer's just expected to magically have the money to gamble on all of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, if, if DC wants to make Justice League a success and, and, uh, Ben Superman a success, and, you know, I presume they do, mm-hmm. um, they have to work out some sort of thing to basically give these comics, like, either significant discounts or, like, 100% returnable, but even returnable doesn't work because the retailers have to pay money ahead of time. Can you give the comics, for, like, on layaway to the retailers? Right. Like, you need to do something that has to be DC because you know Marvel won't. Right. Right. And, and, and so we'll see. I, who, who knows where they're going? I think it's I, going to be, it's, I, I think I was saying this on Twitter. I can't remember, but 2018 is going to be a horrible, horrible year yeah. for comics. Um, like, there are already rumors. I, I mean, also this week, Valiant got bought out by TMG, by their investors. Yeah, yeah. 
which is, you know, it, it, you, it, which, uh, I wanted to mention that story because of, did you see the amazing, uh, um, article on TBI vision, television business international? No, <laughs> it's great. Dan Mintz buys comic book house valiant. Uh, there's a photo of him underneath it, uh, which says, Dan Mintz's DMG Entertainment has acquired the shares in U.S. based comic book publisher and IP owner Valiant Entertainment. It didn't already own. Valiant is misspelled in that caption. And then two paragraphs down is this delight. Valiant has a library of around 2,000 characters, including Exo Manowar and Bloodshit. While DMG is behind <laughs> movies such as Looper oh, no. and the upcoming Bastards. Yeah. Oh, no. First of all, if anyone from Valiant is listening, please trademark Bloodshit right now. <laughs> <laughs> holy crap. Yeah. And there, there you go. There's the tagline. Bloodshit. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> oh, that's... But no, I, so I, I'm... I'm I've talked to people about it and they, they'd say like, no, everything's going on. Like, you know, there's, there's no significant change, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like the entire leadership of that company has left the company. <laughs> um, and I just like, I, and this is not based on anything I've been told. I, I, I swear I'm not saying this because I've had like a secret conversation, but I am genuinely like my first thought was, oh, they've honestly bought Valiant to strip mine it for parts. Yeah. Right. You know, like, and that's, I, I will not say who it is, but there are rumors going around, um, that another independent publisher is going to go under this year. Is, is going to, is going to file for bankruptcy. Wow. Um, and retailers being put in these, really like I can't imagine being a fucking retailer right now yeah because Marvel and DC are both go these are our big books same month yeah well and that's there, it there's not the money there's not the money no you know look at Mission Comics which mm -hmm. is doing a fucking Patreon to stay open yeah. there's no money to put into books that sure might be a success but you've got to fucking pay for the books up front first well you gotta Sim pay for the books right and and in situations like, I, like weekly I, events you have to you have to commit to buying four issues before what, you even what, see yes. yeah. you have to you have to sign up for all four issues of no justice mm -hmm. sight unseen because it's all happened the same month yeah. you have to sign up for four issues of Bendis in fact six issues of, of Man of Steel mm -hmm. sight unseen because sure, it's, it's across two months, but the, like you order three months in advance. Yep. It's. I know people from DC listen to this podcast, and seriously, you've got to do something for the retailers, or your books are going to fail. You, well, yeah, you're going to fail, or you're just you're putting everybody in a great deal of jeopardy for little more than gamesmanship or um, creator hubris. You know, it's. And, uh, but here's the thing. I honestly think if it comes down to it, DC will lose the fight. We'll see. I mean, I, honestly. I, I, I know retailer confidence in Marvel is as low as it's ever been right, right now. Right. Like, gen, it's not hyperbole. I genuinely think retailer confidence in Marvel is as low as it's ever, ever been. Right. No, I but agree. I, I think when they're faced with Tana Hasekowitz doing Captain America, 
whatever the Avengers relaunch is. I mean, it's going to be Jason Aaron, right? Almost certainly. Right. Um, which is based on the, Mar- the Marvel Legacy one shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel, I honestly feel like that was a prologue to an Avengers run. Um, okay, Jason Aaron's Avengers. Tanahasi Coates doing Captain America. Uh, I, whoever is going to do Thor Nets, you know, like if all of those drop in the same month or the same two months, yeah. I, I, especially because that's when the new Avengers film comes out, right? You, I, I just don't believe retailers won't go. Well, that's probably the safest bet. Well, see, and this is this is it. I maybe like I just think I, honestly, I think Marvel's stuff has been so low with so many. Fake outs. Relaunching does very little, I think, even with who's on it. Like, if Marvel actually, if this was the first step of a reboot, which it clearly won't be, I think then you would get it. Like, an honest to God, like, no fooling. The continuity is In a continuity reboot? Yeah, Yeah. they're never going to do that. No, in which case, I just don't think the retailers are like, eh. I think the problem is, is that it's, uh, you know, it's, um, there's got to be a better comic book analogy than this that I can't think of. But but basically, it's like Rock'em Sock'em Robots or whatever. Like, Marvel and DC are fighting each over, like, they win based on who gives them the most money. But if the retailers don't have any money because they're coming what? out of, like, two horrible years and it's being spread thin, like... No, nobody wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's just going to be, and, and that's that's where the summer's going to be. The summer is going to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, I think so too. Unless something, unless something insane happens in the next few months. Yeah, yeah. It, well, the summer's going to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, I, I I I think there's a very good chance of that as well. But but we will see. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe it's. <laughs> Jesus, I I have I have no idea. I mean, I I think the idea that that instead of the market diversifying, you're seeing not only stores close but publishers starting to to drop out of the business, is 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 a sign that that times are are dire. So oh yeah, no, the, this is this is bad. Mm-hmm. This is bad in a way that people. This is going to sound terrible. This is bad in a way that people on the internet who are like, it's a drag market, they're doing it all wrong, have no idea how bad it can get. Yeah. Oh, completely. Completely. You know? You know, like, I feel like there's an awful lot of, of, uh, vocal voices mm-hmm. online, mm-hmm. uh, calling for diversity who are relatively young. Right. And honestly weren't there for the 90s. <laughs> Right, weren't there for the nineties? Yeah, and that's the part that I'm like, oh, this is the nineties all over again. Yeah. But it's not the fun part of the nineties. Well, it's the right. Marvel went bankrupt part of the nineties. Well, I think the the thing that truly scares me is is that the nineties were was this incredible swell and crash that took a lot of comic shops with it that came from you know this strong influx of you know, outside money. It was all the baseball card collectors moving into the market, investing heavily, everything going nuts, and then them being like, oh, this is bullshit, and leaving, and then everything crashed. To the extent that it wrecked things, it very much was tied, I guess, to 
sort of outside influences. You know what I mean? Like this is almost internally an internal. Exactly. And that's the part that's truly terrifying is, is that what's, what's getting killed aren't comic shops that have been around for five years that were card shops that transitioned to comic shops that transitioned into bankrupt shops. These are comic shops that have been around for decades that are, you know, it's like old growth redwoods. Like yeah, but but at, but at the same time, Jeff, old growth redwoods also went out of business in oh, the true. 1990s. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And while I get your point, like, it doesn't matter if a comic shop's been open for 20 years or five years. A comic shop's going out of business is really bad. No, no, and, no, no. no. And it's, it is harmful for the industry. Yeah. No, no, no. And, and believe me, the night, I'm not being like, ah, oh, the nineties were great. I mean, it, it did. It practically wrecked the industry. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that it was, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like we, we had a ring of fat around our belly before the famine hit. You know what I mean? Well, no, exactly. No, yeah, I, I, that that is true. Like because it was the boom before the bus, mm-hmm. there was there was much more. Um, you're right. Like fats to to lose, mm-hmm. and at this point, there's really not. Yeah, like it, it, there's things are really bad out there right now, mm-hmm. and if things get worse from now, this could be genuinely catastrophic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I thought where you were going to go with it is the people who are like, yeah, you know, who are young, who are kind of like, yeah, let's get rid of the direct market is like they they were young. They were too young to remember the 90s. They were certainly too young to remember more or less the 70s, like, you know, or even before the 70s, because the direct market starts slow, but it does start relatively early in the 70s and then builds its way up to becoming a force, an actual force for the market in the 80s in a significant way. And now it's like kind of all that's left. You know, it was it was a supplement when it started in the 70s and 80s in a way it's yeah, I just I do not necessarily know we don't really have the structure left. And who knows, maybe some of these people are like, yeah, I would be okay with, you know, the comics industry being whatever Scholastic publishes and whatever First Second publishes and, you know, some manga stuff. And then, yeah, maybe maybe some people can, you know, I'm sure they'll keep around like Superman and Batman somehow, you know, kind of deal. But... For me, I'm just, I'm well aware of the way that the infrastructure, as messed up as it is, has provided a lot of outlets. I mean, even, even the stuff that we think of in, in the mid seventies, like, I don't know, you know, some, something like Star Reach managed to exist because of the direct market. And if you move back earlier, when you start looking at undergrounds, like they they existed because of head shops and record yeah. shops and and a whole whole marketplace that didn't exist, and you had you know the the classic the spinner rack at Seven Eleven or your grocery store. The majority of that stuff is just is not there anymore at all, right. like in yeah. any way. So there's oh. not. If you... I think a lot of people uh, think that if you get rid of the direct market, you essentially take down Marvel and DC. Right. And if we're honest, Marvel and DC will be fine because right. Marvel's owned by Disney and DC's owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah. Like if, the, if those companies want to keep Marvel and DC alive, they can do so if the direct market collapses. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried about Image and Oni 
and yeah. boom and Fantagraphics yeah. and you know IDW right Dark yeah. Horse right those are the companies I'm worried about yeah no exactly and and ah so I don't know I mean it really is it's it's the sort of stuff that I find um, super hand-wringy. And part of me does worry. I don't think DC's doing it for gamesmanship, mind you. I think that they've got a very strong strategic value idea. But I think, unfortunately, what worries me is their strategic idea of that summer is, and that's why we're not going to offer returnability. Like, we are going to make the retailers commit to us. Like, we've given them the best bang for their buck here's and, here's you know. where i like i i agree mm-hmm. but here's where i think things might change we're recording on february 1st yeah comics pro is the end of this month mm-hmm. and dc's going to be a comics pro i actually genuinely don't know if marvel is but dc's definitely going to be a comics pro mm-hmm. and i can 100 percent see retailers go you have to do something I'm DC listening. I hope so. I really, I really do. Bear in mind that DC changed the cost of the Action Comics hardcover from $50 to $30. Mm -hmm. Because retailers asked. Yeah. Yeah, no. DC DC listens. Yeah, no, they They absolutely do. We'll see, and (laughs) that's it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the part that, that it's, worries it's me. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a really interesting year. <laughs> yeah. Says he, like, nervously and, you know, hand-wringingly. Yes, exactly. Uh, Graham McMillan, do you want to talk about, uh, do you want to talk about comics? Oh, we haven't even talked about shit like Ethan Van Skyver, which I, I don't necessarily know if you want to or I want to. I, uh, what does there say about Ethan Van Skyver? And I've, I've genuinely gone back and forth on this a lot this week mm-hmm. in trying to find like something, in trying to find a way to write about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because the short version is like, fuck off Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, there's, there's nothing, um, I mean, obviously nothing defensible, but, but there's no, excuse for for harassment of any type there's ex- like I, i'm you know amazingly no excuse for harassment of the racist bigoted yeah type that he's engaging in mm-hmm. uh like it's do you have something more to say than that i you know it's funny i don't think so i mean of course when we record there there are rumors um, and I don't know if they've been substantiated in, in any way, but at the very least, uh, Van Skyver has, after trying in his relatively, um, clumsy way to do the bully, harangue, harass, finger point move against, uh, comic, indie comic dude, uh, Daryl Io, uh, that Van Skyver is employed against other people to more success. Van Skyver did announce quite suddenly that he was quitting Twitter and deleted his Twitter. And that's potentially a good sign right there. There's some perhaps greater repercussions that I've heard about that I haven't been, that haven't been substantiated that probably aren't worth, 
um, talking about for that reason. But I think yeah, it is... I, I would I would stay away from from the other ones. Yeah, exactly. Because, because literally, there are there are rumors. Again, we're recording on the Thursday, so anything can happen between now and release. Yeah. There are rumors as of today that you know much. He's facing much greater penalties. Right. But yes. there are rumors that we don't can't even track down a source for. Yeah. Right. Do you right. know what I mean? It's literally all, oh, I heard, and I heard, and you're like, who did you hear from? Oh, someone. Right. You know, it's like, it's that weird, like, you know, it's like, this could be real, but it could also just be bullshit. Yeah, it could also be bullshit, but... Because but, because one of the things that's worth bearing in mind is that the idea that he is going to face harsher penalties mm-hmm. also feeds into his martyr mentality. Like, he could have started the rumors to try and get sympathy for himself. Right. Yeah, it's possible. You know? Yeah, it's quite possible. Um, but I do think if nothing else, for me, there is at least a certain amount of relief of, I'm used to seeing this play out the other way. I'm used to seeing it play out where the person who's being harassed is basically like, I have to quit Twitter. I'm tired of, I've been harassed and harangued and, ha- and hounded by people and I just have to quit. I can't. I can't handle the harassment anymore. Um, and it's sort of a relief to see something that's a little more different, where the person who's been um, baiting people and pushing and bullying is the one who's like, "Oh yeah, um, yeah, okay, I'm just quitting Twitter. Yeah, no reason. Catch me on YouTube later. You know that kind of thing." So. Uh, so yeah, I do it's, think it's, I, I didn't. I don't have a very strong take. I just kind of feel like. In a week of news, it's been the news story that I went and checked Twitter the most about because well, because it was all unfolding on Twitter was the thing. Yeah, it's it's not like it literally was all happening there. And as someone who's like trying to research it to write about it, mm-hmm. it's really hard to sort through for that reason, especially now because he's fucking deleted his Twitter. Yeah, um, but it is the granular nature of Twitter. Mm-hmm makes it really hard to get to the center of these stories. Yeah. Especially when, as is clearly the case, Ethan Van Skyver and the 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 people he is friends with. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not going to go down the, he's got a Twitter army, because I don't think he does. I think literally he just has, like, aligned moves with other racists. Mm-hmm. Um, but they managed to... Um, just confuse yeah. the trail enough. Yeah. Yep. Just by by sheer volume. Yep. Yeah. Sheer sheer so. volume and and uh, uh there there was a lot of judicious tweet deleting that makes there it was a mm, lot of tweet deleting. Yeah. There was a lot of just outright lying as well. Yes. Um I don't know if you've seen but like definitely today there were a lot of people basically saying that Daryl hounded Van Skyver off Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, By saying the shit that he's been saying about him for months or whatever. It's yeah. just like, no, that's not even true. Yeah. Right. But but the, he instigated it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because A, Van Skyver deleted his account, and B, everyone else has been deleting their tweets, mm-hmm. there's legitimately no way to prove otherwise now. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only record now is Daryl saying, oh, this guy's a Nazi and he's coming after me. Mm-hmm. But when there's no proof that he did that, even though we all saw it. Yeah, right. You can't turn around and point it to someone else and be like, well, see, 
you know. Right? Yeah. And then it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, we should not be surprised. It's the insidious form of bullying on the internet mm-hmm. and the social media, which has been around for years by this point. Yeah. Which has been weaponized by people for years. Yeah. Um, and, and all that's happening, honestly, is that it's coming into the comics community in a way that it hasn't before. And thankfully, like you said, the response has been such that Van Skyver's left yeah. and that Daryl hasn't. And Daryl, God fucking bless him, mm-hmm. refuses to back down. Yes. Like that man has just strength that I can't even imagine. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. <laughs> Genuinely. I would have fucking deleted my Twitter. <laughs> so, I, I, so earlier this week, in fact this weekend, um, I made a subtweet about this but not about Daryl. Mm-hmm. There was someone who was you and I have talked about this before, essentially um, uh, defending Daryl while simultaneously making it about himself. Mm-hmm. And I subtweeted by saying, don't pick fights with the bigots. Promote the good stuff and otherwise shut up. Right. Oh, that's and right. A, yeah. lot of, a, lot of people, a lot of people came after me, and rightly, mm-hmm. uh, because it was a completely unnuanced B pretty much like I pretty much was like yeah don't don't fight back against bigotry which I don't believe like right. like I said it was subtweeting yeah. um, and three and this was really eye opening for me I had people I trust and respect get in touch and be like why are you subtweeting Daryl which is why I deleted the tweet yeah yeah exactly exactly and I was like oh I Dar- no it wasn't Daryl who's subtweeting right. it was a person whose name I'm not going to say in the podcast right um but but that literally never occurred to me, mm-hmm. and so I you probably saw this like I apologized that night because I, I did it and then went out like I did it super quickly and then went out for two hours right. and came back and people were just like what yeah and I apologized to to them all individually yeah and I then quoted the original tweet and was like you're all right this is a this is a, a bad tweet yeah. it's a bad take I'm really sorry and I was going to leave it up because I think it's important to like basically own up to your mistakes mm-hmm. and it was only when we're like you're subtweeting Daryl I was like I guess I've got to get rid of that tweet because I'm really not right right exactly yeah yeah it was interesting because I there's not there's and I talked to like two or three people about should I delete or should I leave it up and just say it's not about Daryl and they were all like you should just delete it yeah <laughs> it's not worth keeping it up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it, that, that was eye opening for me because um because it, it, it is easy for me mm-hmm. to say ignore them mm-hmm. because they're not going to come after me. That's you right. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a straight white dude. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, I, I, so I don't, I don't have to deal with that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, it, it's, uh, it's embarrassing and it's, it's humiliating that, you know, someone's like, you have the privilege and I'm like, but I walk. No, you're right. I totally have the privilege. <laughs> but, but no, but, but that's, that's what it felt like. Do you know what I mean? It was right. like, no, I, 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 I'm, you know, I believe in the right things, you guys. Mm-hmm. And it really take me, take, take people being like, you just don't get it. Right. Right. Well, and I think that, how do I put it? That is, that is part of the, that's part of the process. That's part of the point. That's part of the sort of the next stage in in this struggle is is the not making it all about you. You know, just the just the 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 thing that's so frustrating, of course, is wanting to participate and support um, 
and realizing that again, hearing time and again from voices that are kind of like, shut up and let me talk. Like, don't make it about you. you. Just listen. Just listen and support and encourage. You the know. irony being the original subtweet was along those lines. Yeah, exactly. Right? I know, but again, in doing so, I, I sounded like I was doing just the opposite. Right, exactly. Which, again, is, really, yeah. but, which is also important. Like, so when you... Uh, when you intercede, you've got to be aware of all sides of it. Right. Because again, in my mind, I was just subtweeting like a white dude who was, you know, going, Hey, you guys, mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. you looked at this racism? It's bad. <laughs> and, and I was just like, you know, this is like, that's really tone deaf. But I was just as tone deaf in my response, if not more so. Right. Right. Yep. Today's liberal guilt has been brought to you by <laughs> NPR. Um, do you, oh, I, super quickly, cause we're now an hour and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Did you read Motherlands, the new Vertigo book? I did not. Jeff, I think you'd like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Cy Spurrier mm-hmm. and Rachel Stott. And honestly, it feels the closest to Vertigo to 2080 that I've read in, in years, if not ever. Mm. Uh, in a good way, in a way that works. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I'm trying to think of a good way of saying, like, do you remember why the last man launching and it felt kind of um, fast moving and pop culture and contemporary, mm-hmm. but also skewed enough. Mm-hmm. It feels like that. Mm-hmm. It feels like 2008 put through a why the last man filter. Hmm. Um. It helps that Richard Stott's artwork is great. Mm-hmm. I've seen stuff on on I want to say Doctor Who, but um, but no, this and like this in particular is awesome. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I I I I like it, and I I think you'd like it. I I like I'm specifically recommending it to, for you to try. I will take you up on that. I will. Hmm, I'm trying to find it now. Motherland just, issue just, one. Yeah, just. Yeah, it's just this week. Yep. Okay. I will, I will pick it up. And, uh, when we, when we next have a non-Baxter building podcast, uh, we, we can discuss it. Okay. Jeff, what have you been reading this week? Well, that's a good question. Uh, it's a good question because in part, some of the answers are, will terrify you, Graham McMillan. Uh, I, uh, as soon as I got, you know, the latest, Three dollar um, Steve Englehart West Coast Avengers installment Zodiac Attack. I it wasn't available on Comicsology, and I I read it in Kindle, and goddamn it, if it wasn't enjoyable. Uh, I've read Silencer, which is kind of a book that makes me feel like um, uh, it's interesting that the, the I'm like oh, God. Of course, I can't remember the name. What's what's the name of the damn book that? That Garth Ennis created for Dynamite. Jennifer Blood. It's, yeah. it's it's very Jennifer Blood like. Yeah, very much so. But weirdly enough, it for me it was Jennifer Blood done better. I know what you mean. I and I feel the same way. At first, I particularly like. Uh, I don't know. I I picked it up with the digital version, and it was like there was the cover, and then the next page had like ninjas flying all over the place. And oh, then God! The, does the digital version have the full-out cover as different pages? Uh, yes, as different pages. 
So oh, no. it makes no sense. Oh, no. It makes no sense whatsoever what I'm staring at. I was like, oh, right, I heard there was a thing. There's a page that's just a close-up of her feet on a bunch of bodies, and that's just like yes. the full page. And I'm like, <laughs> but because it doesn't even come after the shot of the top half of her, it's like... <laughs> You're like, what is that even happening in this comic? Yeah, I'm like, let me tell you, that's some avant-garde storytelling right there. Uh, um, but, but I was like, well, this probably isn't going to work out. And of course, I'd seen the preview pages, which, um, in the back of other DC books, which were, I think, the first four or five, uh, pages, which were her, uh, a fighting with a dude in a parking lot, and she's got a, a, a fistful of pencils, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was kind of like, Eh, yeah, this probably isn't going to work. And then I got to tell you, part of me is like, you know, part of me is like, on the one hand, I like John Romita Jr.'s art. So there's ways in which I'm like, oh, it's John Romita Jr. And there's characters called things like Blood Vessel and Breacher. And it's so amazingly 90s, isn't it? It's like Damage. Damage also was a really 1990s book for me. Oh my god, Damage, I, which I did not buy and almost kind of regret because, of course, it was Tony no, Daniel no, on No, no, I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, Jeff, you should not regret that. Yeah. I got Damage, obviously, it's like for free as, as from a DC comp, yeah. but I swear to god, I thought it was 10 pages long. <laughs> yeah. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. That book has nothing to it. Yeah. Where I believe that. Whereas I actually... I'm not even sure the name half the characters in it. Oh, wow. Really? In terms of first edition, it's, it's it, again, very image. Very 1990s image. Right. But almost all the bad things about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like, Silencer feels very 1990s image, um, but in a way that works. Yes. Cause, cause for me, there's a lot to be said for, again, I like Romita Jr.'s art. Dan Abnett is, you know, he's a dude. He is, he's, he's, he's he is very much in that, you know, 2000 AD school of, he's concise. Uh, mm-hmm. he basically has the, the, the 2000 AD guys don't skimp on their ideas. They're like, okay, I'm going to throw six things at you. And next week I'm going to have to come up with another six things. And that's just the, the name of this game. Um, so there's, there's nothing really groundbreaking here. And Abnett, I think is pretty good at writing again, thanks to 2000 AD, his scenes are relatively concise and snappy. And so even if they don't necessarily seem that new, they're not necessarily, draggy and annoying um and so so i liked it in fact one of the things that i have to admit that is kind of problematic is i read this within say about 48 hours of reading the first issue of abbott by uh saladin ahmed sami Cavella, and jason wardy which came out the previous week from boom and I love the way the art looks on that, but I feel like the exposition dumps in Abbott made it a, a pretty turgid kind of obvious read, you know? In fact, I'll, I'll go you one step further to, to complete the trifecta of badass, um, women comics. I also picked up 
uh, the first issue of, or is it, or is it God help me? It's actually the zero issue of Black Dahlias. Uh, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. It's submitted through Comixology Submit Black Dahlias, uh, by Kirsten Schwartz, Shad Clark, and, uh, Ari Sarazad. The, the, the tagline is Lady Justice Ain't Blind. She's woke. And oh, oh, oh no! Yeah, it <laughs> it's set in it's set in San Francisco, uh, where the Black Dahlias are basically a team of cyberpunk looking. It's it basically seems very strongly like a reconfigured Birds of Prey, where the idea is they're they're an elite fighting squad led by an elite computer hacker and they're striking back uh on behalf of victimized women um and in fact each of the dahlias in the field as they talk are kind of like yeah i mean you guys rescued me and now i you know now i'm a warrior for justice because i'm woke you know kind of thing it, it honestly <laughs> i it unsurprisingly I was drawn to the book in part because the idea of a bunch of female superheroes called Black Dahlias struck me as such a terrible idea. You know, the Black Dahlia is uh, a, an infamous murder victim in Los Angeles. Yes, uh, it's, it is 100%. That's not true. I was going to say it's 100% tasteless, but it's not. It is honestly on the line between this could be the worst idea ever or the greatest. Right. And and I do have to give them credit. At first, I was going to tease them like, ah, oh, this is like taking a Catwoman character and calling her Kitty Genovese. But but honestly, there is a page <laughs> where they sit and, and really do talk about the original um, Elizabeth Short and the fact that she was her death was sensationalized and romanticized, even though she was, you know, sort of horribly killed. So basically they talk about it being a very explicit reappropriation of the term, like in the story in a way that I'm like, okay. Yeah, actually, yeah, hats off to you. That's that's very unexpected. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kinda like part of me's like so the book isn't great, but it's sort of um it's you know, it's it's uh I, I'm sort of surprised, like I said, like it's Tech, certainly in terms of competence, it's very easy to be like, oh, Black Dahlia's Abbott silencer. But for myself, there's this weird, like, there's parts about Black Dahlia's that I really like because it's kind of got that, they're sort of a trying too hard, but you have a strong sense. Everyone's sort of at the beginning of their career kind of thing. By the same token, Abbott is kind of impossible for me to write off um, but one of the things that struck me is out of, if you read those three comics, Abnett's ability to lay, to basically realize that he's got to show, not tell, um, both Ahmed and, uh, the writers, um, Schwartz and Clark, I think for Black Dahlia's just have just flat out fucking info dumps, just page after page of people explaining to one another who they are, why they're in the same room together, and they're not 
they're not doing anything on top of it. Now, admittedly, what's ha- what's happened is they've taken all the exposition from Damage. Yeah, right. <laughs> just they've got it by mistake. Yeah, they just pumped it in there by accident. Whereas, I mean, admittedly, Silencer has some various things going for it. One one of those things is sort of, I mean, a you've you've got you've got the storytelling chops, but b one of the things that I liked about Silencer that I wasn't expecting is is by plopping it in the middle of the DC universe. I don't really think this is spoilers, but having Talia al Ghul pop up on page 16 was kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Like, how do I put it? Like, at that point, it's, it was a surprise. It was a pleasant surprise. And because Abnet didn't really break it, didn't break it out either on page one, on the first page or the last page, it was more surprising and gave you a place to, to go with it. Um, mm-hmm. rather, I than... do wonder if if each of these books is going to have a a major DCU appearance because then a damage is Suicide Squad shows up. Oh, of course, right? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. And, and and I wonder if like each one is going to, like the first issue is going to be like and here's like the equivalent of you know when Spider Man showed up in a Marvel book. You know, it's like here's Night Thrasher. He's running to Spider Man. Who could have guessed? And yeah. you're like Spider Man meets fucking everyone. E- everyone in their second issue. It's super important that he does. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe, but overall I was just like, yeah, I, this, this moved along and part of me is like, yeah, if you want to have John Romita Jr. and Dan Abnett do a super powered version of Kill Bill slash Jennifer Blood, you know, in the DCU, I'm like, someone can run with that really well, hey, you know, let's, let's be honest. Silencer feels like it is created the other uh, New Age of Heroes books feel like they're created by literally looking at a Marvel character and being like sure let's file off the serial numbers Yeah, you know Terrifics is Fantastic Four, Damage is Hulk Sideways is Spider-Man Silencer instead feels like someone was like let's literally just create the next ABC series yeah but Bubbles because this is a perfect TV show Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm it is. It absolutely is. And it's strong. I think, I think what, what helps is because you have Romita Jr. And I mean, admittedly, the, the bungled gatefold really helps. But when there was the second page of the comic appears to be nine million leaping ninjas, I was like, Oh, Jesus, really? That's. <laughs> That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Like maybe it's, it's a ninja comic, is it? <laughs> well, see, that's it. And I really did as it went on. And it could well become that at the next. I think the, the, the trick of putting Silencer as an escaped member of the League of Assassins, Talia's super powered version. And now. Oh my God. That's a spoiler. Oh, oh, sorry, everyone. I guess. Uh, well, I'll either remove it or bleep it or... No, leave it in. It's fine. <sighs> it's the comics. No, the comic will be in it for half a week by the time this... <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. You people Just should know. Notes. It's been four Just days. Show notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, that's it. I'm like, uh, I've got to notate the show notes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Silencer, Silencer honestly was, uh, was more substantial than I thought it would be. And even though it's built at a far less laudatory level than than Abbott or the Dahlias in terms of the angle that it's going for. 
worked pretty well for me, and that says a lot. But you have to keep in mind, Graham, that I am the person who also read volumes one, two, and five of I Shit You Not, Duet of Beautiful Goddesses by Yumi Hanakuji, uh, and those are comicsology purchases that I made. It tells you a lot about how well put together this series is that the reasons why I read volumes one, two, and one, five. One, two, and five? Yeah, what happened to three and four? They, that is the question. They did not have them available <laughs> on comicsology. It was like volume oh, one, wow. volume two, and volume five. Uh, I'm like. Also, Jeff, before you go any further, I have to say, because I'm so used to you saying, I read volumes one, two, and three of, and then like a random uh, manga title I'd never heard of. Yes. I honestly got thought the comic was called I Shit You Not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, these titles are getting worse. But I, I really genuinely thought that the comic was called I Shit You Not. Oh, man. Honestly, A, it would not surprise me if there is a manga titled that. And B, I can't believe that I stole the thunder from Duet of Beautiful Goddesses, which is the most <laughs> hilarious title. I'm like... You- you see, did you see the Twitter thread where it was the manga publisher announcing their, their comics? Yes. And it was like all genuine, like it seemed like a parody, every single one. Yeah, absolutely. I love those. In fact, you you just tweeted a few of them and I went back and followed their <clears throat> thread because you were like, can you believe this? And it was some title like, now my boyfriend is a toaster. And I'm like, oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because there was there was the one where it was like she's carrying a refrigerator on her back. Yeah, but somehow you manage to still see her breasts and her ass. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is fucking astounding. Yeah, yeah. There was there was. Anyway, I shit you not. It's coming from that publisher. I I totally bet. I totally bet. Yeah, because it really was. It was something amazing, like egg beater in the dungeon, you know. And I'm like, sure, I will read that. The fuck. Anyway. So, the Daughters of the American Spirit. What's it called? <laughs> Daughters of the Close Duet of Beautiful Goddesses uh, is basically a sex manga, or was supposed of to be a sex manga. Is. Of course, it is. Before it got heavily confused, uh, it supposedly a spin on kind of the Prince and the Popper. There is a. a you, these two women who basically meet at a bridge. Um, one is getting ready to throw herself uh, into the water and drown because she cannot stand one more minute of her horrible life in poverty. The other one is a rich woman who is in process of thinking of trying to escape from her inescapable husband and his amazingly opulent rich lifestyle and because of course they look exactly identical they're like hey let's switch identities i you know you don't want to be poor i don't want to be married it's a perfect match um and they agree to this and again i think the idea was originally like the way they definitely had it set up was the rich woman is such a crazy nymphomaniac. She wants to go and have sex with like everyone and can't stand her husband. And meanwhile, the, the chick who doesn't want to be poor, uh, is now rich, but is surrounded by not just the husband, but the two brothers, each of whom are weird, crazy sex deviants, 
What's amazing, and this sometimes happens in manga, is that conceit basically makes it a chapter and a half. And then it becomes something sort of weirdly sweeter and almost more serious and somehow almost, I'm sure if Graham McMillan were reading it, that much more the worse for it. Because the rich woman, you you know, sort of there's that trope of she's like, oh, poverty, I've never, how do convenience stores work? What's this thing you call peanut butter? Like, the the author dials that to a level that you would swear she was grown in a test tube. Like, she literally seems to have no conception of human nature, family, money, clothes. But because she's so good-intentioned, <laughs> everything seems to come her way. And then, of course, um, she falls in love with her quote-unquote brother, um but only after she takes a job as a barmaid and sort of becomes the focus of all these erotic fantasies of the people drinking in the bar who then try to seduce her, but thanks to her good nature, she sort of guides them to the path of having a better life. Meanwhile, the woman who's miserable in the rich area of perversion, A, is dealing with her the husband who is impotent because reasons and the perverse brother who you think is just peeping on her because he's you know your typical pervert ends up being someone who's actually of course falls in love with her and such begins the forbidden romance between these two people because of course he's like she's changed so much I could never appreciate her because she seemed like an idiot but now she's like reading books and is so sensible you know etc etc so I won't even tell you how they all I can say is I'm very impressed that when I went from volume 1 to volume 2 to volume 5 volume 5 really does take a leap because all of a sudden there's a Third well, it's woman it's three volumes later. Well, yeah, exactly. Think but of with... what you've missed. Yeah. All I can say, Graham... I, I love volumes are missing entirely. That is so great. It, it really was. I was kind of like, I hate to say it, but it was a selling point for me because I was like, hmm, who knows? This title could make it the next steaming sniper. But I think I might have mentioned back around January when I was... Uh, completely... Back around January. That was yesterday. Sorry. Allow me to be more clear. At the beginning of January, right at New Year's, I was sick over the weekend, and I read volumes 1 through 7 of Domestic Girlfriend, and at the, I can tell you the duet of Beautiful Goddesses makes more changes in those two missing volumes than fucking domestic girlfriend managed to pull off in like the first six so it's fast moving it is the fast moving world girlfriend well i mean if you think about it you can really (laughs) speed up the plot line if your characters have no basis in reality and your sense of storytelling is semi-unhinged like you can really you can accomplish a lot so it was this is an interesting read. Can't recommend them, <laughs> but I have to say, part of me can't recommend them, but glad I read it. 
part of me is like, I hope they've up, if they uploaded volumes three or four, I'd probably get it. If I turned around again and it was suddenly like volume 16, I'd be like, sure, why not? I'll give it a go. Find out both the characters are dead and now their nymphomaniac daughters are the heroes of the story. Sure. And it's the year 2950. Of course. So, uh, some things up, Grime McMillan. That's what I've been reading. I'm just going to go straight and end the show because nothing can top that. <laughs> oh, Jeff, you know what I've just realized? Is it? Is we it... got through the, the entire episode and you didn't read the Bob Haney comic. Oh, shit! You're right! Fuck, we're going to have to, we're going to have to hold out. Bob Haney Theater will return next time. But not next time, next time, because next time is a Baxter building. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be back in seven days with the new Baxter building when we're reading uh, issues 334 through 341, I believe, uh, the first two arcs of the sadly all too short Walter Simonson uh, run as writer and, for part of it, artist of the world's greatest comic <laughs> magazine. I thought it deserved a pause. I, I thought so, too. I thought so, too. Yeah, see? Yeah, yeah I, we, did, we did well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we are, we are turning into the, the end of the show, which is where I remind you that there will be show notes for this episode and all episodes and occasionally pieces from Matt Terrell and Touchwood, hopefully me soon. Ooh. I'm, I'm going to try and get something up there uh, soon at waitwhatpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. We also have a Twitter account. Oh, in fact, I skipped over the Tumblr. There's a Tumblr, <laughs> waitwhatpod.tumblr.com, where I put pictures of random things. Mm-hmm. Just stuff, comics, things. Every now and again, basically, you know what I'm kind of reading. Mm-hmm. You'll be like, "Is he reading Strontium Dog? Why is he wrong? Why? What?" Apart from today, when I just made lots of Superman, Man of Steel, John Byrne jokes. But you, <laughs> can you blame me? Really? Can you blame me? Right. Uh, I also got super anal about John Byrne's Superman continuity. I apologize to everyone. I'm really sorry. Wow, what happened there? Why did that happen, Graham? Because. There's a line in Superman issue one where Superman says very clearly that it's been three months since the last issue of Man of Steel. Oh, shit. And that just fucked up DC's plan, like, amazingly. Because DC were always like, no, but most of Superman's in continuity. Uh, it's just that he has a different origin. And then John Byrne's like, nope! <laughs> three months ago, this time three, Superman is brand new, you guys. And then that just really quietly got dropped. <laughs> Burn, burn is always intended. Superman was going to be like brand new, right? And and then DC were like, "This no, this doesn't work." Well, because <laughs> like that, that destroys everything else in our continuity, right? Because the continuity really does have to fall with the idea that he is the that he's, he's the first. He's the first, and he's been around for a while. Because all these other superheroes have also been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But otherwise. Everything else in DC continuity at that point happened in a three-month period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the line in issue one, which is just I, – I love that so much because I think it might be like the first and only time it's ever suggested that Superman's career in the series is like three months old. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and, God. And Thank someone, God they rolled that it was like Someone's like, no, never say it again, John. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a tumble. Sorry. On you go. No, 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 no. I mean, this is sad because we really do need to close this. But I, I have to say, Graham, since you dug into this, is it such a good idea to give one creator just basically the keys to the kingdom as far as Superman goes and 
and letting rip, like which I assume they're basically you know doing what? with Bendis. I, I think I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can make a case for maybe Bendis isn't the right creator, mm-hmm. but I think when there's essentially two titles, kind of four, we have no idea what's going to happen. Super Sons, we have no idea what's going to happen. Supergirl, but I can't believe there's not going to be a Supergirl comic when she's on fucking television. Mm-hmm. Um. I think there's no problem with it. Like, I actually have very fond memories of, and this is kind of happened by accident, but do you remember after Infinite Crisis, when Kurt Busiek was uh, writing Superman and Jeff Johns was writing Action, and Jeff Johns was so behind in his deadlines that Kurt Busiek took over Action for like six months? Yeah. That was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he, like, Kurt Busiek did a really good Superman, so having him write both books... Sure, why not? Like, and theoretically, you can allow for greater continuity between the two books. Well, sure. I, I think that's great. Yeah. I, I have no problem with that idea at all. Th- that idea I have no problem with, but does Bendis sort of get to say, get the level of burn-like control where suddenly characters can't appear in storylines because they've been pulled and vetoed? I don't, I don't, you know? I don't think that, I don't think any creator will have that level of control ever again. Okay. Like, I can't, I genuinely can't imagine. Well, that's not true. I think if it comes down to like, uh, you know, new writer number seven, I genuinely can't even think of a name. Mm-hmm. But like someone who is, you know, it's the, it's their first book from DC. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, they've just, they've maybe done like, you know, an Aftershock series and maybe one image book before. And they're like, I want to use Lois. I think. Bendis could probably be like, no, I'm going to do something else with her that month. Right. But like, Scott Snyder's like, I want to have Superman show up. I don't think Bendis is going to get to be like, no. I just, I don't think there's going to be that level of, of control. You don't think he could be like, yeah, sorry, this, this storyline that you're planning with that revolves entirely around Brainiac now can't happen or, you know, no, because I, I think that would be worked out in advance. And also, I don't, um, and you might, like, you might remember better than I, I don't remember Bendis being like that in Marvel. I don't remember Bendis I, being I, like I, that I remember, in Marvel, right? I remember yeah. Bendis mm-hmm. being much more inclusive. Yeah. And so I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be at DC. Um, well, but we'll, we'll see what the, we'll see what the proof in, is in the pudding. I am cautiously excited about Bendis as Superman. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, he's, he's had problems with superheroing, like straight up superheroing, I yeah. think is not his forte. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm genuinely excited to see his Lois. I can't see- like, like the idea of him doing Daily Planet. Sure. You know, I, I, I would love to see that. I, I, I were concerned about the Superman part of it. I, I think that, you know, I kind of get him doing his whole, like, yeah, I'm doing my burn shout-out, you know, it's like, I'm taking over these books, I've got the big event, Man of Steel, blah, 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 blah. Part of me is like, I just wish he'd shown up and been like, okay, yeah, I'm doing Jimmy Olsen, you know? I'm doing Jimmy Olsen, and I'm doing it with, you know, my my favorite artists, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to start strongly with the Daily Planet and build to all sorts of high weirdness, and it's going to be me sort of you know, kind of doing my tribute to to Kirby instead of my tribute to Burn, you know, but but that's just me being like an old fart, 
Like I have, I have well, no and, idea. And, all, just... and also, like, honestly and genuinely, what is? Aren't both of those just him doing tributes to different creators? Well, I guess, but the difference—the difference is how do I put it? The difference is is that the whether it's true or not, the patina of Kirby's story is about humility. You know, that the idea is that Kirby is like, give me your lowest selling book because I don't want to displace anyone from their titles, right? Burn. Sure. No, I, I I agree. I agree with that. But I guess what I'm saying is if Bendis does Jimmy Olsen Redux, mm-hmm. like, is he not literally doing the same thing as if he does Man of Steel Redux because he's literally just doing a cover version of what an earlier creator has done in the same circumstance? I if, if he was doing if he was living up to Kirby in spirit mm-hmm. and he showed up and said, you know what I really want to do? I want to do a couple of new books, but why don't you give me you know, Superwoman mm-hmm. or Cyborg, right? That would be a different thing. Yeah. No, well, but I, but even, even to me, just the cover version. And you're right, absolutely, that's more, more Kirby-esque in a way. But I'm just saying, out of the, out of your, if you're going to choose one of two cover ver- band versions, I wish you'd gone with the one cover band version that is not the. I'm, I, I know why he went with the burn one. But it's a little too... Because of Brian Michael Bendis' career. Well, I mean, it's Brian Michael Bendis' career, but I also have no doubt, like, you know, he was he was too young for the Kirby stuff. He's he's a younger guy than me, and I was too young for when Kirby hit DC. You know, whereas uh, I think he's your age, and therefore, you know, of course, Byrne coming and, and taking over Superman hits Bendis at a level of like, oh, that's where I was, you know, like when I was a kid, that was my everything, you know, like I'm sure that was a big deal for him. Um, but, but in, but there's still for me, there's just that level of like, eh, eh. but I don't know, you know, again, that, that's, that's just my take. Who knows where he's going to go? But I feel that same thing of like, part of me is like, even if he did a totally different he would, of course, by his very nature, do a very different Jimmy Olsen, which is the big plus of Bendis. Is he is he is his own voice, um, at least compared to other voices in the field. Like he's his attempts to do something, even if he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to be Kirby as hell on this book," it's going to come out being a very Bendis version of that, which is. I would be curious as shit for Bendis's Kirby as hell. That said. As soon as Bender says, I want to do a New Gods book, I, it's time to storm the palace, Jeff. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, well, the, the things that we were lauding about Tom King's Mr. Miracle, I think Bendis could do those parts very well, right? Could he? Mm, I think so. I think, couple, I, I think Bendis, I, I think Bendis is a really interesting creator. Mm hmm. But I'm not sure if Bendis has the... No, that's not fair. I'll instead say this. The emotional truths in Bendis' work have never rung as true to me as the emotional truths in King's work. Uh, I can see that. But to roll it back, I think if you're really enjoying Scott and Barda banter, um, you can really... There's no doubt that Bendis could could roll out pages of Scott and Barta banter and then bring in a stuffed shirt um, member of New Apocalypse for them to bounce off of. I mean, the, 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 the 
under the emotional undertow to King's Mr. Miracle work is part of what makes it so truly affecting and impressive. But it's very easy to see Bendis being in there and being like, yeah, but I can do these. The the, the surface level of it is not too different between the two of them. Sure, but the, but having something that is beyond the surface level is important because otherwise it then turns into uh, James DeMatteis and Ian Gibson's Mr. Miracle, mm-hmm. which, don't get me wrong, is a book I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but it's a very different book from the Tom King book. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, You know? Yeah. And I think that ultimately a Bendis book would be closer to the DeMatteis and Gibson run than it was the Tom King run. Mm-hmm. And what I, when I, I said, like, what I really was imagining was Bendis' dark side. Oh yeah. That would be great. Bendis' dark side would be, oh, that would just, I, my brain and, and just, yeah. In particular, it's because I remember Bendis' Doctor Doom. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, which I was not a fan of, so. Um, right. Yeah. 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 And I know. I know that people really enjoy the the Doom as Iron Man thing. But even then, like, it doesn't. It's not Doom for me. I mean, it's just. It's just not. It's a different character. We've talked about this in the past. That you know, sure, this is who the character is now, but it's not the character as they have been written. Yeah. For the previous five decades of their existence, and that's one hundred percent true of of Doctor Doom under Bendis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's quite literally a different character. Yes, yes, absolutely. He might look so. the same and have the same name. In fact, ironically, in, in Iron Man, that is not true. He doesn't look the same at all. Exactly. But, but like, it's a different. It's clearly a different character. Um, and and so yeah, the idea of him doing that Dark Side just uh, no. <laughs> and you know the Dark Side is going to show up in Superman at some point. There's oh, no way Ben just leaves that alone. No, no way. No, 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 but no. Uh, I, I'm already braced. Yeah. In 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 mild terror. <laughs> I was wrapping up, Jeff. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, we have everyone. Show notes. Yeah. I told you about the show notes. Yeah. We have the Tumblr. I told you about the Tumblr. This is when I tell you we have a Twitter at Wait What Podcast at... Oh, no, I don't even spell it Wait What Podcast. You can spell that. <laughs> Jeff Albert does have a Twitter. At least that's it now, and I do spell it. L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter. Graham M. At G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon-supported podcast. Some of you beautiful, beautiful people pay money for this. I don't know how that even happened, but Jeff has a few words for our sponsors. Graham? Jeff? I, I love you, but have you ever considered some of my difficulties talking about the Patreon is the fact that you basically say everything that I need to say <laughs> and then hand it over to me to say it again. Yes. You can just cut this out. You can cut my part out. <laughs> cut your part out. All right. That would actually be great if I just cut your part out and then I just leave in the part of me complaining about your part. Uh, listeners. You could just, you could just have me be like, and we have a Patreon, and then just go straight into your bed. Straight Jeff. into me being like, that's right, Graham. We do have a Patreon, and it's filled with wonderful people. Don't get me wrong. All of our listeners are wonderful people, but. We, well. You're always, every time I say but, you're like, no. Wrong. <laughs> <sighs> fucking hell. 
I'll you're, tell you stories. You're all when you wonderful people, and the people on Patreon are wonderful because they are double wonderful. They're what? They're double. I'm gonna shut up. They're double wonderful, everyone. You're all wonderful. You're all equally wonderful. But don't get me wrong. Some of you are doubly wonderful in a way that the those of you who aren't doubly wonderful are actually doubly wonderful as well. It's a difficult. It's a difficult world trying to to make Cram's conception and my conception of this closing work together. And we're obviously clearly going to have to workshop it. Everyone who listens to us struggle with this. We are hugely in your debt. And we're very grateful to the people at Patreon who throw us a little bit of that much esteemed space cash in order to help uh, keep us motivated, surprised, and engaged. And to thank us. I love the slow golf clap, or else, unless it's a, that's... It's a thing. Donald Trump State of the Union clap, Jeff, come on! <laughs> oh, Jesus. Graham. Yeah. No offense, everyone. I'm, I was not going to put myself through that State of the Union. There was absolutely no way. There were, there were shit that I was reading secondhand and becoming apoplectic with rage. So, yeah. I'm, space Cash. Get back to Space Cash, which is what I was applauding. Yes. Space Cash, people cold, hard space cash. But not cold and hard. In fact, it's warm and lovely. Warm and lovely stuff that we are really grateful for. And uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, but especially the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios, as well as Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, to whom we are especially grateful for their continuing support of this podcast and for their continuing support of this neck of the galactic region, if you know what I'm saying. Graham? I dig it, Daddy-o. <laughs> oh my god, you almost killed me. <coughs> Ooh. Well, what I love about that, in all honesty, is that hopefully this came across in the recording. When you coughed then, there was also a buzz of static at the same time that sounded like you were coughing and turning into a robot. Oh, sadly, it probably won't come up on my end. Does not compute. Not talking to Bob Haney. If it was a Skype error, then it's not going to come across because it only records like your site. Yes. But I really hope that that buzz comes across because it was beautiful. It it was – imagine that uh, Michael Bay leaves the Transformers franchise. And it's taken over by, like, Alan Bennett from the 1960s. Okay? And the Transformers are, like, all live in, like, northern England. And they all have, you know, really rich inner lives, but can't express their emotions. And it's a comedy of errors. And there's a scene where Optimus Prime is, like, talking to his mom. And his mom is, is giving him, you know, you haven't saved the world yet. What what's What are you even doing? And he's got a cold... And he's just coughing, and then he just transforms into a truck by mistake. That's where that noise would have come from. Okay, Graham, I have to say, when you said that you couldn't top the summaries of Duets of the Beautiful Goddesses, you were wrong. Because 
you broke my mind in about six different places with that description. So, so well. You're done. welcome, everyone. Hasbro, if you're out there, I will take over your Transformers franchise any moment. <laughs> that would be great. They're kind of like, hmm, yeah, we we want something that's we a little more direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're really we're really pivoting here. We really feel like that one avenue got explored really well across all those movies. Where do you go, where do you go after Michael Bay? Yeah. You've done Michael Bay for five movies, you've got to pivot. You've got, you've got to. You've got to pivot. Give it to Greta Gerwig. I basically, I, maybe this is the Northern oh Californian in me. No I, no, I would watch the shit out of a Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig can like be the, the, the creative mind and she can get like Noah, uh, what's his name? Noah Baumbach? Noah Baumbach, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they they can get him on for the Bumblebee spinoff, <laughs> and then when they're they're like you know we've really got to tell the origin of these characters, right? Uh, then uh, it can be shit. I'm blanking on his name. Who did the Royal Tannenbaums? Uh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, yeah, Wes Anderson could do the their the, like origin of the Transformers. Oh, let's face it, like a Wes Anderson Transformers film, everyone would be all over. That would just well, be know, like the he best. might literally just get the toys and do it stop motion. He might, he might, or he yeah, might do stop motion, and it would be Ed Norton and Jason uh, Schwartzman. Yeah. Schwartzman, <laughs> getting the name right. Schwartzman. Uh, Schwartz. Isn't it Schwartzbaum? <laughs> I like how neither of us remember. I think it is Schwartzman, uh, but yeah. But the two of them would just do the voiceovers for all the characters. <laughs> that look again, Hasbro. I'm right here. Uh, and then when you do your visionaries film, you, uh, who do you give visionaries to? That's a good question. You wouldn't give it to- The guy who did Moon. The guy who did what? Moon? Duncan Moon- Jones? No, Moonlight. The, the one that won the Oscars. Oh, Moonlight. Sorry, it got cut off at that point, cause I think yeah, Skype no, is like, I'm having no, none of this nonsense. Duncan, look, look, Duncan Jones did Warcraft. He's dead to the world. <laughs> I don't care how many people pretend that they're excited he's doing Netflix now. You're not excited. He did Warcraft. We don't need to go any further. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think, I think, I think there's people who are like, ah, oh, yeah, well, sure. I've made, Paul, I've made a Blade Runner ripoff with Paul Rudd. It's on Netflix. Sure. Whatever. I didn't watch the trailer. Is that really what it's supposed to be? Uh, it, it, Here's a here's a, something you can do, which is what happened to me because YouTube has it's like, you know, you've watched this, I'm just going to also play another video. Right. Uh, I watched the trailer for, for Dustin Jones' Netflix movie, and it immediately went into the trailer for Amazon's, what's it called, what's it called? Altered Carbon or something like yeah. that? Mm-hmm. It's, it's fair to say that I might have thought that that was one really long trailer if I hadn't seen it change. <laughs> God. Okay. Well, first off, Graham, I hate to interrupt you, but the thing is, since it's since I managed to actually um, drag this out to interminable lengths. Oh, God, the buzzing. Yes, the buzzing. So, Graham, please. I don't. I just. I just. Yes. It's like listening to hell itself. 